Alright, what's up guys? Took a little break, got some coffee, and I really didn't take much of a break. I just kind of pulled out my phone and started scrolling through Twitter, and I found, well, Jennifer Asper sent me a message on Twitter, and it is a tweet from Leo Donafrio, and I want to share it with you guys because it's pretty significant. Check this out. Maybe I should tell everybody I'm back on Telegram or something first. All right, let me let me let me make a post real quick. We are back. Then I'm gonna pull up this tweet and show you guys what I'm talking about. It's actually pretty significant here. Kind of a bombshell admission by Maricopa County's attorneys. Let's see, we got 553 people here. So about half of the people left, but that's understandable because we stepped out. All right, let's see. Stop sharing my screen. Let me pull up this tweet. Check it out. Let me get that banner off the screen. Okay, so. A stunning admission by defense counsel Liddy. In opening, he said the signature review clerk in video, who appears to be scrolling without verifying, was fired for not doing his job. This opens discovery. If they didn't redo his workload, there was no signature verification of it. And there's a second tweet. I don't think it was possible to redo his workload. If the envelopes he approved signatures for had their ballots removed and counted, that bird has flown. If he was actually fired for not doing verification, there was no verification of those ballots. The case might be over. Okay, I wouldn't take it that far because we have a corrupt judge. Um, so no amount of evidence is going to sway a corrupt judge. But this is pretty significant. Hold up. My mic is way too loud. Hopefully that's better. But So let's go back to what we talked about uh, at the beginning of the intermission where we talked about that 90-second video and how uh, the expert, uh, Carrie Lake's expert from the Level 1 signature verification process, attested to seeing someone she recognized in that video by the name of Celia. And Celia was a manager who, based on the video, did not actually step in and intervene when we had this guy, the Level 1 worker, that was uh, clicking approve rapidly on 50 or so ballots, right? Remember, we said that was significant because, you know, uh, uh, Maricopa County's uh, defense attorney, Thomas Liddy, attested that, you know, if somebody was uh, approving too many signatures or approving signatures too fast, then the managers would step in and intervene and remove that person and said that the person in that video was fired for not doing their job, right? Well, on one hand, um, we have a video which includes Celia in the video who did not intervene and remove this person, right? And that would be a problem for Maricopa County. But on the other hand, even if they did step in and fire this guy, well, <laughs> that presents a whole different slate of problems. because. As this tweet is highlighting here, even if he, he was fired for his job, if they didn't go back 
and re-review the signatures, the bad signatures that he approved, meaning, let's say this guy, he approved a thousand signatures in, in ten minutes, right, and he got caught for uh, not actually verifying the signatures and not doing his job, and he got fired. Okay, well, at that point, what you would have to do is go back behind him and go re-review those thousand signatures that he approved because there was no verification done. And if they didn't do that, well, then there you have it. <laughs> there was no signature verification done on a thousand ballots. So um, what we need is discovery. What we need is to actually uh, be able to... to well, the burden of proof is now on Maricopa County, right? We need, to, we need to be opening up a line of questioning to Maricopa County. Did you go back? You're saying that you fired this guy, but did you go back and redo his work? Okay, and if you say that you did, well, prove it. What documentation do you have to prove that you went back and redid this guy's work? And if you don't have any, well, then I guess as it stands, there was uh, a thousand or... 15,000 or 20,000, who knows how many who knows how many ballots this guy rushed through before he was allegedly caught. But, you know, that would that would just that just means that all of those ballots that he approved there was no signature verification on whatsoever. And if it's larger than the margin of victory, that one idiot alone could be the smoking gun that Kerry Lake needs to meet this arbitrary standard of proof that was set by Judge Thompson. Man, so that was a pretty significant thing right there I just wanted to share with you guys. And now I'm just looking at my notifications. I guess I should stop sharing my screen. Let's go back to the court calendar, see if things are back up yet. Uh, why would they be? They're not coming back until 4.30. So I guess we're still here. Just uh, goofing around for a few more minutes. But yeah, I mean, I was looking at it from the, the other angle. And the tweet that I just showed you basically... Basically means they're damned if they did, damned if they didn't. If you didn't fire the guy, well, <laughs> that's a problem. Because you let him sit there and approve thousands upon thousands of bad signatures without intervening. But if you did intervene and fired the guy, and you didn't go back and redo his work, well, then we, have, we still have a problem. So it's all going to come down to, um, like we said in the beginning, you know, this judge, he's requiring that Kerry Lake proves that there was no signature verification done whatsoever, right? And that is completely open to interpretation on what that actually means, when you say no verification done at all, do you mean no verification done uh, to the standard laid out by the Arizona statutes and the election procedure manual? Or do you mean literally no signature verification done whatsoever? Because if it's the latter, then all Maricopa County has to do is show that, hey, <laughs> this guy at level two logged into his computer, and therefore there was some level of signature verification done. This person uh, verified one ballot out of millions, and therefore 
Carrie Lake has failed to prove that there was no signature verification done whatsoever. Like, are we really going to that extreme here? Or are we just saying that Carrie Lake has to prove that there was, um, that they didn't, you know, uh, uh, verify the signatures as prescribed by the law and the election procedure manual? It's really not clear. You know, and this, this judge, I mean, just just think about how ridiculous it would be to try to ask Carrie Lake to prove that there was no, nothing, nothing done whatsoever at level two or level three. It's impossible. It's impossible. Not just because, well, you know, obviously... <laughs> Obviously, they did some signature verification on some ballots. Obviously. I don't think anyone's arguing that. But uh, Carrie Lake also didn't have... I mean, in order for Carrie Lake to prove that there was none whatsoever, she would have had to have her eyes on the entire process, every step of the way on every single ballot at level two and level three. She would have to have like video evidence of every every step of the election regarding the signature verification at level 2 and level 3 and there, we don't we don't have that so it's a completely ridiculous thing to ask her to do hellcat chally says the video shows they didn't compare signatures it absolutely does it absolutely does but we're tasked with um uh, not just showing, that video is 90 seconds. It shows about 50 or 60 ballots that were not actually verified. But what Carrie Lake is going to have to do is, is prove um, over 17 or 18,000, whatever the margin of victory, that that amount of ballots, more than that amount of ballots, was, was, there was no verification on them. And... Um, so showing that video, that alone, you know, again, it's up to in, it's up to interpretation from the judge whether or not, like obviously Kurt Olson and, and Brian Blem and Carrie Lake, they want to extrapolate that, you know, take that ex, that one example and say, look, we got an example of a guy who wasn't verifying signatures, and we know for a fact that there was like 350,000 uh, ballots that were approved in less than less than three seconds. So we can draw an inference here. We can make an assumption that what we saw with this one example in this video was happening all over the process. It wasn't just him, right? Because I, I don't think this guy personally approved 350,000 ballots. There was a team, an entire team, and he wasn't the only one doing it. So, um, Kurt Olsen's going to try to extrapolate this and say this was a systemic problem that happened across the entire process. And this one example, video evidence, plus the numbers that we have, proves that th th this was happening all across the process. That's what I think that they're going for here. Kurt Olson is attempting to work within 
Judge Thompson's framework as best as he possibly can. And that's all he can do. That's all he can do. And while Kurt Olsen tries to... uh, Let me try to explain this here. So on one hand, the county, Maricopa County, uh, their attorneys, Thomas Liddy, they are actually trying to hold Carrie Lake to the, the standard that there was no signature verification done whatsoever. I mean, they even questioned her first witness and said, did you personally uh, verify any mail-in ballot affidavits yourself? And she said, well, well, yeah, yeah, I did. I, I, was, I was working in, in the process. I was doing my job. And they said, no further questions, Your Honor. So that was like a gotcha right there. Like, your own witness just said that she personally verified mail-in ballot affidavits. So if Carrie Lake is, uh, is, is arguing there was no signature verification done whatsoever, well, her own witness just proves, proves that, that, that that's not the case. So Maricopa is trying to, to hold Carrie Lake to the literal standard that there was no signature verification whatsoever. Whereas Kurt Olson, on the other hand, he's trying to make the argument that if, if, if these signature verifiers didn't meet the standards set out by the, uh, the statutes and the election procedure manual, then that means there was they, they didn't do an actual signature verification, right? So it's like they're using two different definitions here. They're using two different definitions. Um, does that make sense? Um, Bart says, the judge could say they verified one signature, therefore you lose. Even though thousands and thousands were not verified, that stinks. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. Again... I will pull up the judge's a portion of the judge's order, who says that Carrie Lake must demonstrate at trial, pursuant to her concessions, that Maricopa County's higher-level signature reviewers conducted no signature verification or curing. So, signature verification happens at level two, curing happens at level three, and they are the, the judge is saying. She must prove that there was none whatsoever at level two and level three. That sure is what it sounds like. That's how I interpret what he's saying. And even after she proves that, then she has to prove that this failure to conduct the signature verification and curing resulted in a change in the outcome of the election results, proven by a competent mathematical basis. So that's even more difficult. That's even more difficult because she's not being allowed a review of the mail-in ballot affidavits. So how are you supposed to prove by a mathematical basis that this altered the outcome of the election unless, unless you can show through a actual uh, forensic analysis of the affidavit signatures that there was X amount of bad signatures cast for Katie Hobbs 
that changed the outcome. How are you supposed to prove that unless you can conduct a review of the ballot affidavits? It doesn't seem possible to me. Because even if, let's say, even if Carrie Lake could show that they, they've conducted no um, signature verification or curing whatsoever, that still doesn't prove through a mathematical uh, uh, mathematical basis that the outcome would have been any different because we don't know who those ballots are for. It's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. This judge is either completely compromised, bought off, corrupt, or he's just an idiot who doesn't understand elections at all and is just pulling legal theories out of his ass. So at the end of the day, what I think is going to happen here my prediction, I guess, is that this judge is going to uh, rule in favor of the defendants and dismiss this, and then uh, Carrie Lake is, is going to uh, appeal that, obviously. We go through the process again of appeal, then appeal to uh, the Supreme Court, then maybe get it sent back to Judge Thompson. And I hate to be... I, I, I hate to have that... Uh, People are saying, you know, stop being so negative. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going out of my way to be negative here. I'm just looking at the, the, this, the, what's transpired so far. And based on everything I've seen, and the, this judge's orders, and the dismissals, and the refusal to to look at the actual evidence regarding the logic inaccuracy testing, the manipulation of the machines, the manipulation of the ballot on demand printers the voter disenfranchisement evidence, the chain of custody problems, and and the fact that he this 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 count three that we're uh, dealing with now was dismissed on latches in the first place by this judge. You know, so when he dismissed the the count on latches in the first place, that alone showed that either one he's compromised. Or two, he completely doesn't understand the law at all. Because I'm not even an attorney, let alone a judge in a superior court. And I, I looked at Carrie Lake's complaint, and I could see that there's no grounds to dismiss that count on latches easily. Because, Carrie, I mean, Katie Hobbs, Maricopa County, they responded to Carrie Lake's complaint and said that the signature verification claim should be dismissed on latches, and the judge went for their argument. And I'm sitting here, just a normal guy, just some ginger in my guest room with a, with a camera and a microphone, reading this stuff. I don't have any qualifications whatsoever, no background. I, I, I never went to law school, but I was able to read those documents and come to the same conclusion that the Arizona Supreme Court ultimately did that that count three should not have been dismissed on latches. So this judge is an idiot, or he's, he's corrupt and compromised. There's no getting around that. So it's not being negative. HFBPA889 in the chat is backing me up. It's not being negative. The truth is nothing will be overturned in a fully corrupt system of government. Well, man, you're crushing all the hopium. I didn't even say all that. I... I 
I certainly hope that there is some remedy, some peaceful remedy to this situation. But we have been go- we've been on this merry-go-round since November third, twenty twenty. Well, before that, when you consider COVID, the BLM riots. But personally, I've been engaged in this fight since the twenty twenty election, and uh, I've been around this merry-go-round enough times. Between the voter GA case, Garland Favorito, uh, Michigan Matt DiPerno and Bill Bailey, the entire Arizona audit, so many different the Delaware County. Remember, they had literal video footage of Jim Savage and James Allen in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, on video. They conducted a sting operation and, and submit a FOIA request. And then went behind the scenes into the warehouse and recorded Jim Jim Allen and James Savage, or James Allen, Jim Savage, whatever their names are, saying, we need to have a little campfire and destroy all this evidence that they just requested via a FOIA request. They had it on video. They filed a lawsuit, and it got dismissed for lack of standing. You know, I, so I've, we, we, we've been through all this. I've been through all this since November 3rd, 2020. So many different cases. And so if a judge appears to be leaning in a certain direction, that he seems uh, completely uninterested in, in getting to the bottom of the, of the election fraud, um, he's already dismissed the case once. <laughs> I don't think it's negative to kind of err on the side of caution and manage my expectations here a little bit. Uh, Mick Leeper says, you are right to make sure everyone's expectations are very low for positive ruling from this judge. Yeah, I'm just saying manage your expectations. Just manage them. I'm not saying have no hope whatsoever. I'm still hanging on to a little bit of hope. A little bit, uh, but a little, a little more so with Abraham Hamaday's case. To be honest, we we covered that yesterday, and Abe Hamaday, remember, only has to clear a margin of victory of 280 votes. Went to uh, court yesterday seeking a new trial, and the judge said he's going to take that decision under advisement, which means there's still hope there. All right, so it's someone said they are back doesn't look like they're back. Maybe I'm... Am I behind or something? Oh, hold up. Okay, they are back. Bush, if you can just come right up here in front of my uh, clerk and then raise your right hand and she will swear you in now. So who do we have here? Is that Shelby Bush? From We the People AC Alliance? I do. Thank you. Ma'am, if you'll make your way around to the witness stand and then just have a seat, please. <laughs> All right, I believe she's situated, so Mr. Olson, you can proceed either from where you are or the podium, sir. Your choice. Thank you, Your Honor. Good afternoon, Ms. Bush. Would you please state your full name for the record? Yes, Shelby Jean Bush. And do you have an understanding as to why you were to here to testify today? 
I do. What is that standing? It's to testify in regards to um, our involvement in the footage and the signature verification aspect for the Kerry Lake trial. Okay. Uh, are you the chairman of the We the People Arizona Alliance? Yes, sir. And what other uh, job titles do you have outside of that organization? Sure. So my my career where I make my living is um, in the medical industry. I am a medical administrator responsible for coding and government compliance issues for the medical industry. I'm also first vice chair of the Maricopa County Republican Committee. Did you found We the People Arizona Alliance? Yes, I founded that with the co-founder Stephen Robinson. How long ago? It was founded approximately December of 2020. And what is We the People Arizona Alliance's purpose and function? We're a volunteer-driven organization, and our primary function is government accountability and transparency. So we use uh, an array of various experts and a robust amount of public records requests in order to analyze and understand our government and our government processes and how it works so that we can educate the public. Have you ever been retained by any Arizona legislative body to perform any election-related activities or investigations? Yes, uh, we were actually appointed, myself and co-founder Stephen Robinson were appointed as deputy liaisons to the Senate audit um, in 2021. And after that, we were asked to continue our work in regards to the processes. Uh, specifically, it ended up being in the areas of voter registration and signature verification so that they could better understand and use the information obtained from the audit and what they needed to do to improve our systems, our election systems, legislatively. With respect to uh, signature verification, what uh, projects has we, the People Arizona Alliance, been involved in? So we were asked to do a study of the policies and procedures, so we started there. Uh, we also interviewed multiple voters and uh, asked questions about their voter files. We did some studies on the VMO8s, which is the voter, the, the voter registration or voter record profile that contains the exemplars. And after doing so, we spoke with Senator, uh, Senate former Senate President Karen Fan, and we expressed some concerns of, of findings within those VMO8 voter profiles that were being provided to us. And so at her request, she gave us access to the ballot affidavit envelopes for the 2020 election, along with 5.5 million um, historical. Okay, just for the record, if the witness is in the middle of answer or a question, let's just wait our courtesy till that happens and then I, if it's after the fact I can you can move to strike etc. Yes thank you. Okay. Apologize. You're in the middle of your answer. Um, thank you. Do you want to continue or do you want to have him re ask the question? Um 
would you like to re-ask the question or should I just continue? I'm fine to continue. Um, so then we were also given access to 5.5 million records from the voter registration or VMO8 profiles, which is voter registration forms, previous provisional ballot entries. Um, some of these were Service Arizona, handwritten. And this allowed us, the original, the original goal in this was to allow us to better understand these voter registration profiles and how they're kept and maintained and what those records look like and their usability because that was the initial concern. It eventually evolved into us doing a full-scale audit on the 2020 signature envelopes, the ballot affidavit envelopes with those affidavits, but we did extensive research just on the profiles themselves. What type of, Hold on, Mr. Olson. Did you want to interpose the objection now or... Yes, Your Honor, we renew our objection to the extent that this is irrelevant. Um, again, okay. to the extent that the witness is testifying about the 2020 election, as we are here to try allegations about the 2022 election. Thank you. Are you avowing that you will uh, have something to link this up in terms of your proof that you're offering for the 2022 election? Yes, Your Honor. Okay. Just setting the background right now. That's why I asked you a question. Okay. I'll allow the leeway to go into this and then subject to Mr. Olson linking things up and making his offer of proof later on. Uh, Ms. Bush, what type of uh, storage facilities does We the People Arizona Alliance maintain for election-related data? So we actually house and maintain three independent servers um, in locations. One of them is primarily for the data, and we also have another server that up to do nothing but specifically capture the live footage of the election department as it comes through the Maricopa County feeds. I hate to interrupt. Um, I note that Mr. Myers is appearing here, is available in the courtroom. Uh, no, 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 no. Electronically. You're looking around as though he's walked in. <laughs> Electronically, it's popped up on my screen. So I don't know. You're just starting out with this witness, but I don't know if you want to take him now out of order because you're going to be shifting gears in about 15 minutes and you're just getting started. What do you want to do? Your Honor, I would like to continue with this witness. I'm sorry, then. I'm sorry, then. I'm taking more time than it would have taken otherwise. Your Honor, no, just real quickly. Mr. Myers wouldn't know this and hasn't done anything wrong, but the rule has been invoked, and so he can't hear. He's not a dear. Okay. It's just showing that he's sitting here electronically and he can't see or hear anything in the courtroom unless I admit him. I, I understand. I'm sorry, Your Honor. That's fine. Yes. From the live stream, anyone can watch the live stream. I have to rely on individual integrity and the lawyers communicating so that people are watching the live stream. Your Honor, can I then ask that you instruct once again over the live stream that any witness should not be listening just in case Mr. Meyer is... Your Honor, we're in contact with him. I, we could quickly call him and tell him to drop and then come back on when requested. That's fine, but the concern he has is that any witness shouldn't be watching the live stream any any more than they should be sitting in the back of the courtroom. I just took it at face value that practicing lawyers would know to let their client know that, and I have no reason to suspect that they haven't. So apologies. Please continue. 
Ms. Bush, I believe the last question related to what type of storage facilities we, the People Arizona Alliance, maintains for its election-related data. I believe you said you own three separate servers. And that is correct. We have one server that's dedicated to housing the secure data that was provided to us from the Senate, another one that we predominantly use for um, data analysis information, and then we have a third server that captures and maintains all of the live footage as it comes through the feeds from the Maricopa County Elections Department. And can you describe more with respect to the latter what the live feed from the Maricopa County Elections Department is? Sure. So part of the statutory requirement in the state of Arizona is that the Elections Department has to have camera footage feeds available to the public anytime that there's tabulation or ballot movement. Maricopa County, along with some other counties that we've captured footage on, actually maintains those 24 hours a day, seven days a week throughout the year. And those are direct link feeds into the camera system that is set up in Maricopa County Tabulation and Election Center. And so our technician that we employ actually utilizes those links to live capture and archive all of the footage from the various camera feeds off those live films so that when we are looking into a situation or auditing or trying to learn more about the process, we can reference those videos and images in in our research. How long have you been, how long has We the People Arizona Alliance been uh, capturing those live feeds in this methodology? Since January of 2021. Has video captured from these live feeds been ever been used in any court or legislative proceeding? We attempted to use some during the legislative proceeding. We have provided some of this footage to legislators for their own knowledge and records, and we've, we've issued some publicly, but we've never used any in a trial situation prior to, you know. Are you familiar with what has been marked for identification as Plaintiff's Exhibit 19? Yes, sir, I am. Did you participate in the creation of Plaintiff's Exhibit 19? Yes, we instructed our technician to uh, take various uh, date and timestamp footage from the signature verification rooms during the 2022 general and send those to us, meaning myself and Steve Robinson, where we were able to view that footage and download specific clips. We we took this particular video clip that's represented as Exhibit 19, and we provided it to uh, council to mark and enter as an exhibit. And, and is there a date timestamp that is placed on this video footage as it's captured by the service that you employ? Yes, so the the camera footage is actually already date and time stamped by Maricopa County, but we also have an internal date and time stamper that will, in addition, create another time stamp so that we can correlate and make sure that the footage is representative of the accurate date and time stamp. And it can be sometimes by five seconds here or five seconds there, but it does allow us to authenticate the exact moment in time that something occurred. Can you describe the process by which we, the People of Arizona Allowance, uh, archived the Maricopa Live video? Sure. So our, our technician 
we provide the links to the cameras. And in this particular instance for Exhibit 19, it would be Signature Verification View View one, I believe, off of their live link. So if you were to go on Maricopa County, you would get that link. So those links run on a computer system, and all of the feeds that go into that computer system is then captured by our software and immediately stored and archived. And it's stored and archived by camera view, and so by location and link. So all of the footage is actually metadata with uh, the the camera and the link that it was obtained from. Did you participate in selecting the clip of video that has been was placed on? What has been marked as plaintiff's exhibit 19? Yes, that particular clip was actually cut and uploaded onto our private shared server at my direction. What did you do to ensure that the video clip that was burned onto the CD that has been marked as plaintiff's exhibit 19 is the same video clip that was archived from the live feed? So I was able to remote access, actually, Steve and myself together remote accessed into our actual server and confirmed the footage date, time, and where it was located in the archives of our server, and then compared it to the video footage that our technician sent us to ensure that it was what we had requested. And is the video clip that has been placed on the CD-ROM marked for identification as plaintiff's exhibit 19, the actual video footage that you selected. So that exhibit was actually provided to me um, by yourself, by counsel, to review and confirm, and I was able to do that, and I do confirm that it was actually, I believe, labeled 19-002 is the footage that we provided. And is that, an, is that an exact duplicate of the live feed captured and placed on We to People Arizona Alliance's server? Yes, it is. Let me ask one question for myself. Is this, well, you ask it. Is this, is, is this a, you're, off, you're going to offer it. Is this a, a continuous run of time uninterrupted or is this clips pasted or a, any way cut or adapted? Ms. Bush, is this a continuous video clip approximately two minutes and 30 seconds long? Yes, it is. This has not been edited in any way. Honor, at this time, we would move to admit plaintiff's exhibit. Any objection from defendants? Any objection? I would have you on. I just want to confirm for the record who had the blurs. The what? The blurs. There are blurs. Oh, do I? To for the record, who had the blurs? The what? The blurs. There are blurs. Oh, do I? To protect to protect the identity of the uh, terminal operator. I know they're there. Who did it? Is the question. Yeah. Go ahead and ask. That was for the demonstrative only. The video uh, CD-ROM does not have the blurred image. Okay. So 19, as offered right now, is not edited or in any way changed from the video video footage provided to you by Ms. Bush's organization. Yes, sir. Correct. No objection, Your Honor. 
Exhibit 19 is admitted. Thank you, Your Honor. Your Honor, at this time, we have no further questions. Any cross-examination from any of the defendants? Yes, Your Honor. Good afternoon, Ms. Bush. Thank you for being here. I know coming to court is not always everybody's most pleasant experience, so we appreciate you coming. It's how we arrive at the truth, and that's what we're trying to do. Have you ever testified in court before? No, I have not. Okay. Well, I want to... Um, I want to kind of lay the ground rules, um, and these aren't my rules, they're what works best for the court. We try not to talk over each other, and you did a good job with uh, plaintiff's counsel. I would ask you to do the same with me, and I will try to do the same with you. Is that fair? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, the court reporter has to try to take all this down, and so we both need to speak at a relatively nice pace. And you did a good job during um, the first part of this. I would ask you to do similar here, all right? Okay. Um, so I want to talk about the, the three servers that We the People Arizona has. And first I want to I ask, are they We the People Arizona's servers? Is that right? So, yes, two of the servers are actually owned by us, and one of them we sublease. Okay, one you sublease. Um, and you have, do you have data from Maricopa County on all these servers? I can confirm for sure on two of the servers. On the third server, I can't say for sure, to be honest. Okay. Do you have data on the server that you sublease? No, sir. Okay, that's the one you can't that's confirm. That's the one I can't confirm. Okay, all right, very good. Um, now, on those servers, any of the three, does We the People Arizona have any um, any images of Maricopa County early ballot affidavit envelopes with signatures? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, does We the People Arizona have on any of those servers any other signatures from Maricopa County that come from the voter registration database maintained by the, the recorder? I'd like to pose an objection. I'm not sure how this is relevant to authentication. Your Honor, they opened the door talking about servers. I would like to find out what data they're storing because there are laws in Arizona about who is allowed to possess voter registration data and what they're allowed to do with it. You're referring to civil or criminal statutes? I'm referring to... Just a minute, Your Honor. I want to be sure I don't answer you incorrectly.
Your Honor, I cannot say with certainty, but my understanding as I stand before you today and my belief is that it is only a criminal penalty. Uh, I'm not aware of a civil penalty attaching. Your Honor, I oppose one other objection because it appears that they are seeking answers towards 2020 data, which the council has so vociferously objected to being relevant to this option. So I still would maintain my objection that this is nothing related to the authentication of the live video feed, which is what this witness was offered specifically to do. Your Honor, if I can speak to that, or would you rather not? If I can speak or not, because what I'm going to do is say something on the record and then I'm going to allow a brief recess and then something to be heard. But I want Ms. Bush. Yes, Your Honor. In fairness to you, you're being called as a witness, but these are not your lawyers. You understand? Yes, Your Honor. And if there's some type of repercussions, and that's why I asked the question about possible penalties, whatever. I haven't researched it, haven't looked into it. But we're talking about additional questions being directed to related to possession of this information. Um, Mr. Olson has now pointed out that we're talking about 2020 data, and there's a trade-off of probative value and prejudicial effect, and this is not a classic 403 analysis that I'm referring to. In other words, um, I can allow the questioning to continue if you wish to offer the evidence that's related or tied to the foundation of the data that's being stored. I'm not part of any kind of civil, criminal, uh, or other ramifications or anything. I'm just piqued in, in terms of a witness being called into my courtroom and asked questions, and if there's criminal repercussions or whatever that may be of consideration, that's something that she is entitled to. She has a Fifth Amendment right that she can exercise, no matter who's called her, to prevent something happening with her. She may decide that she wishes to proceed anyway. This is this is her call. This is an excess of caution. This is this is nothing more than allowing her to have that information or discuss it. Um, you basically told me, wait, this is 2020 data, so. It, they're objecting to it. If you don't intend to use 2020 data, 
I'm not going to let them ask any more questions about it because this is your witness. But we don't intend to use any 2020 data. Then, end of discussion. I'm not asking no more questions about the 2020 data. No more follow-up at this point in time. I'm not going to have this witness ask ask any more questions or have her answer any more questions under oath about your your honor that would be fine may i ask whether this is the 2020 data or whether it's the 2022 no okay at this point because anything further is is stepping down that road and if they're not using 2020 data they can ask all the questions they want about 2022 data but where we stepped off the path is the 2020 data that you referenced, Mr. LaRue. Fair enough, Your Honor. I understand. May I ask if she possesses 2022 signatures? 2022 signatures. She hasn't testified to anything related to signature comparisons. As I understand plaintiff's claim, that's not what they're arguing. Okay. So I'm just, I don't want you asking this witness any more questions about anything like that. Understood, Your Honor. I'll move on. Okay. Thank you. If I misstated or overstepped anything from plaintiff's perspective of where your claim is and what you intend to prove through specifically through this witness? Uh, no, Your Honor. You were spot on. Very well, then. Let's move on to another area of questioning. Okay. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, are we continuing, or do you want to bring in the other witness? I'm continuing. You're close to finishing. I'm very close, Your Honor. Let's finish. Okay. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, thank you, Ms. Bush. Let's talk about the video uh, that you discussed, and it was Exhibit 19, and you know what video I'm talking about. Is that correct, Exhibit 19? Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you. And you testified that it was an uncut and unedited video, I believe. Is that is that correct? Yes, sir. I, it was obviously clipped out of an entire lengthy time span, but the clip itself was unaltered or unedited. Okay. So there was video before it that you had, and you chose this portion. Is that correct? That is correct. And video after it. There was video after it, correct? That is correct. It's a long, continuous feed, so it would be several days' worth of footage. Understood. Um, as you watched this video, were you able to tell by looking at the video whether the man on the left was marking signatures as consistent or as inconsistent? Were you able to tell which he was marking? Objection, Your Honor. Understand the relevance. He's not being offered on signature verification. It's simply to authenticate the video. I thought the objection was going to be foundation. Foundation. Because... <laughs> I would sustain on foundation. Okay. Um, but she hasn't offered any testimony related to interpretation of the video. Okay. Let's let's try it again, Your Honor. I'm sorry. Uh, thank you. Um, so coming back to the video, do you know what it is a video of, what it's showing? Yes, sir. This is video footage of Signature Verification Room 1, and uh, employees, be it temporary or full-time, verifying signatures for the 2022 general election. Okay. And how do you know that? I know that because I've been watching this footage for a long time. I've also confirmed these camera feeds with people who have worked within the room themselves. 
who have validated that that is what is taking place and where it takes place. Okay. So it's your understanding that the people in the video are doing signature verification. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, are you able to tell what action they're taking with respect to any particular signature in that video? That's a yes or no. Yes. How are you able to tell what action they're taking? What I know is they're moving from one signature to another signature. I can also tell when um, when the camera scrolls whether they're looking at additional reference signatures, but I cannot I cannot tell whether they're accepting or rejecting. You cannot tell if they're accepting or, or rejecting. Okay. Um, do you know whether that is the first or second signature review? Objection, Your Honor. Foundation form. I think that he's asking for her understanding. If it's a yes or no question, if she's able to tell, she can answer. It, first of all, ma'am, do you understand the question? I can have it rephrased for you if you don't. Um, yes, I understand the question. Um, but now I need you to repeat it. I'm sorry. Well, let me let me lay some foundation. Not that we need to, but just to be sure, we're both talking apples and apples. Are you are you aware that before a batch of ballots is sent on to level two, the signature one reviewers go back through that batch? Can you repeat that? Are you aware that before a batch of ballots, 250 ballots, envelopes, are sent on to level two, the level one reviewer is told to go back through that batch and make sure that what they marked is what they meant to mark? I have no way of knowing whether that took place or not. Okay, so you're not aware whether the signature reviewers are told to do that. Is that correct? Okay. So, with that being the case, you would have no way of knowing whether this is the initial review or whether it's the follow-up check review. Is that correct? No. Okay. Um, and because we don't have the video of what transpired before, um, there is no way to know from that video whether the man on the left took... 40 seconds per signature prior to that video, is there? Foundation. Witness are not being offered as a signature verification worker. Uh, no. It's already been testimony about That I understood, but I think that the question goes to the witness had access to the clips before and after it and could have reviewed those. It, it, but ask it more clearly to her if you would. You know what? I don't even think we really need. Um, Your Honor, we'll, we'll move on. Um, and that is all the questions that I have for you, Ms. Bush. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Is there any redirect? Okay. May we excuse this witness? Yes, Your Honor. Defendants, may we excuse this witness? Yes, Your Honor. Thank you. Ms. Bush, thank you. You are free to go, ma'am. Okay, let's uh, get your remote witness online, please.
Your Honor, I'm assuming uh, he will appear on this little screen right here, and probably the questions need to be right in front of it. You're asking the wrong person. Understand. Yeah, I think that's a the witness here. Oh, actually. Do you oh. have him admitted here? Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Myers? Yes, sir. You're able to hear me? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? I can. Um, I can hear you clearly. Counsel, can everybody hear the witness? Yes? I can, Your Honor, yes. Okay, can you hear that when they spoke from their microphones, Mr. Myers? <clears throat> yes, I can. Very good. Mr. Myers, I'm going to have you sworn in first, sir. You don't need to stand up for this, but I do need to raise your, have you raise your right hand. My clerk will administer both to you, and then we'll begin your testimony. You do solemnly swear the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you, God. So help me, God. Thank you, sir. Who's going to take, take this witness? Mr. Olson, you may proceed. Is everybody able to see what they need to see in terms of the witness's appearance? Yes, Your Honor. Minor? Yes, Your Honor. Okay. Please proceed. You can do it from either place. You. Good afternoon, Mr. Myers. Good afternoon. I assume you can hear me okay. I can. Could you please state your name for the record? W. Andrew Myers. And what is your understanding of why you are here to testify today? Uh, discuss signature verification that occurred during the 2022 general election. Uh, do you live in Arizona currently, sir? Yes, sir. How long have you lived in Arizona? 17 years. When did you become involved in election processes in Arizona besides voting? I would say it was uh, June of 2022 when I worked the primary. Had you ever worked in any election-related activity in another state before that? No. Why did you decide to get involved in the Arizona 2022 primary. I just heard a lot of people complaining, and I found myself as one of those, and I decided I was going to do something to help out. And when you say you heard people complaining, what were they complaining about? You know, just about elections and uh, weren't happy with the way things were going at uh, Maricopa County, and I felt like I should volunteer to help out. What is your volunteer to help out?
What is your standing of the purpose of signature verification? That the voter is to sign the affidavit stating that, that's, that they are the voter and that we're supposed to, as signature verification people, to verify that against counter signatures that are in the database to make sure that that is who that person says they are via their signature. Did you go through any kind of training for signature verification put on by Maricopa? Yes, I did in the primary. And was this in the July 2022 timeframe that you underwent your training? Either late June or early July. Can you describe for the court the training that you were given for signature verification? They brought in a uh, signature specialist. I can't remember what the actual title that she had. It was about four hours long that was discussing uh, basic signatures, characteristics of signatures, um, you know, things that uh, people do when they're signing their name or, or uh, people that are maybe trying to commit fraud, what they typically might do or not do when they're doing signatures. Besides that four hours of training you just mentioned, was there any other training given by Maricopa for signature verification? And I think there was a little bit of it done during our orientation in July uh, about what, what to expect and, and kind of walked us through a little bit of what we would be seeing. So kind of orient us to the envelopes and what, what our expectations were going to be of us. Uh, another witness who participated in signature verification for the 2022 primary testified about a week-long course that was about hours a day for the Monday through Friday. Did you participate in any type of course like that? Not that I remember. Did you have any classroom training in signature verification beside the four hours that you four-hour course that you mentioned? No. Can you describe the process by which Maricopa taught you to review signatures? So when the affidavit would come up on the screen, um, cellular neighbor would tell us that there was four points to you before you advance to anything that you verified so that the affidavit, the current one, the live one as I would call it, has the voter's name and their signature and then the counter one, which would be in the right-hand signature, again, would have the, the voter's name printed on it, and then there would be a signature underneath. So that would be, you know, the go-no-go -no -go if, if they didn't have, their, you couldn't make out the voter's name on the envelope for some reason it got cut off. You were to just simply accept it because they needed to redo that one or go to a level two review, something like that. And then once you did that, then you were basically taught to, to kind of look at the general signature first, you know, kind of get a feel for it, compare it to the other one in the right-hand corner. And then I would just start from the left-hand side of the signature, begin to look at the, the letters or the 
signature itself, start to look at spacing, um, start to look at the slant, you know. So on the live ballot, was there the signature going straight across on the line and then maybe the counter signature, it was going upwards. Then you got some problems there. So you're looking at the lettering, how they're formed. Then you're also looking at spacing. Um, you know, there was discussions about pin drop, but sometimes because the resolution was so low, you really couldn't make a determination if there was a, you know, an actual sometimes a period afterwards and stuff like that. But then, you know, again, looking at the slanting, you're looking at the spacing, um, you, you kind of look at the overall signature and move on from there. Did you perform signature verification? Uh, exclusively throughout the 2022 primary? For, for the bulk of it, yes, but then I got involved with about five days prior to the actual election day doing curing. Um, so um, sometimes I'd come in in the morning and would do a couple batches of signatures and then go into the big room where all the U.S. postal bands were with the affidavits and, and do the curing there. Was the curing function and the level of signature review in the same room? In the primary, no. And how was it set up? So it was known as the big room, and so a large, the large room at MacTech. Um, what the setup was, there was, uh, you know, like six by three folding tables. Then there was these, um, I forget, they called them baker's racks or whatever. So we would put the green envelopes in alphabetical order. There was about 23 U.S. postal bins. Uh, and then we would put them on the, the baker's rack. And then the tables that we had, you know, when we would get the printout from uh, email or maybe text secure, you would pull those bins down. You'd pull like the bin of M's and go through some of these um, printouts that if voters had verified the information that that was actually them and marry up that paperwork with the affidavit itself. Can you describe for me the, the setup for the 2022 primary in terms of Number of workstations for level one and two. Is this signature verification? Yes. So I was in another room. So the one room I was in, there was probably there, there was probably ten monitors which is what a signature verifier would use. But I think at the end, we only had maybe seven people doing signature verification in my area. And then the other room where you mentioned level two, the managers were in there. Um, the setup was probably a, another 10 signature verifiers and, and then three level two and Two managers. There was one manager in my office. My office, my area. So, with respect to signature verification in the 2022 primary for which you participated in, 
Were there only two rooms where level one signature review was conducted, as far as you know? Yes. Uh, were you aware? Strike that. And it's your uh, recollection that there were about 17 workstations for level one? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's been a while, so yeah. And it's your recollection that there were three level two workstations? Correct. Who were the managers that you mentioned during the 2022 primary? So, Celia Neighbor oversaw it all. Tony, I think his last name was Ortiz. Paloma and Michelle, I don't know their last names. <laughs> Approximately how many days a week did level one signature review uh, happen during the 2022 primary? You didn't say three to four weeks. So we were brought, and I can't remember exactly, but I think they mail out the actual ballots 21 days prior to the election day. So we were brought on for that. So within days of the ballots being mailed out, so, you know, within that 21 days, we, we started doing signature verification. Uh, and then we were on until there's a drop dead a deadline of seven days after the election for ballots to be counted, things like this. So we were there for, for that period, so about four weeks, I guess. Was Level 1 Signature Review conducted seven days a week, or was it six days or five days? During the primary, we were doing it Monday through Friday. Two weeks prior to the election, we were doing Monday through Friday and Saturday and some Sundays. I didn't do the Sundays. Um, we were brought in at, uh, I think it was like 8 in the morning till 4 or 4.30, I can't remember. But we were doing a lot of overtime then as well. So, and then, and then the weekend after the election, we were involved in it uh, Saturday and I think Sunday as well. Do you know how many shifts there were during the 2022 primary of level one signature reviews? I know there was, I know the day shift, and I know there might have been some night shifts, but not that I totally remember that there was a lot of people doing nights. Did you ever mainly coming in to do calls, if I remember right? Did you ever work uh, the night shift during the 2022 primary? No. Do you uh, know when the night shift would end during the 2022 primary? I really don't. Uh, again, like I said, we were working probably, especially two weeks ago, we were working till 6, 7 o'clock at night, and some, some people were you know, work until 8 and 9 o'clock at night from the day shift. So I can't tell you about really, like I said, most of it from the night shift seemed like they were really there to make calls, not signature verification. When you said the work was, when you were saying the work that was being done, was there anything other than level one signature verification that you were uh, referring to? Well, there was um, 
you know, level two uh, basing going on. Um, and then, like I said, uh, with five days left, and then I was doing the curing process and some signature verification. Who were the level two signature verification was that you know? Uh, gentleman by the name of Jeff and a gentleman by the name of Andrew, and I cannot remember the other person's name. Uh, were those three gentlemen level two signature reviews during the 2022 primary and the 2022 general election? Yes, sir. Did you, you participated in the uh, 2022 general election as a signature review or some other function? Uh, brought in as signature review or verification um, because of, because it was really hectic when we were doing the curing process in the primary. Again, these are U.S. postal bends and we would get them in alphabetical order in the morning, and we just had everybody coming in. You know, somebody came in, so they needed to sign something, or people were just pulling the affidavits right and left, and it was always a mess the next day. Um, so Celia and her team reorganized uh, the way we were going to do curing. There were going to be three people that were going to be involved in the curing process, and nobody was going to get involved in the bends to, to minimize the hecticness. And, and that lasted for about two, about two weeks, and then that went out the window. But, you know, so early on, I would do signature verification uh, in the afternoons, help with the curing process. After about, I'd say, four days, the workload of curing was such that I was not being asked to do signature verification first thing in the morning. I was just doing curing, moving forward full time. Was there a difference in the uh, signature verification process in terms of the numbers of level one and level two uh, verif verification workers between the 2022 primary and the 2022 general? Yeah, there was there was more signature verification uh, people doing signature verification. The room that I was in originally was the same room I was in for the general, um, and they reorganized it so it was organized, and there was about fifteen people. So I would say double the number that was in the primary that were in that room. And were there shifts as in the primary? For the general? Yeah, there was distinct shifts. There, there, we were 7.30 to 3. And then there was a, I think they really started at 3.30, went to 7.30 maybe. I, I can't remember when. Maybe it was 3 to 7 or something like that. So how many level 1 signature verifiers were participating, to your knowledge, in the 2022 general election? So there was 15 in my room, so and I think there was probably another maybe 10 night shifts in there, so that's 25, and then, you know, 10 in the other room, so that's 
35 plus couple extra and, and night shifts in that other room, so maybe 40. Are you 40 level one signature reviewers? Yes. How many level two reviewers were there? Still three. Did the 2022 general election involve more signatures to verify than the 2022 primary? Very much so. I think the board flowed more than doubled. And the number of level two signature verifiers did not increase, you testified? No, they did not. What about the number of days a week when signature verification level one was being performed. Was that seven days a week during the entire period or something less? Much less in the primary. Do you have an understanding of why it was less than in the primary if there were nearly double the ballots or signatures to verify? Objection, speculation, foundation. It's a yes or no question, but I'd like you to rephrase it because I just rephrased it. I didn't follow it from the last question. Did you have any concerns about the number of level two signature verifiers in light of the additional ballots or signatures coming in for the 2022 general? Didn't make sense, um, and I don't know if they just, it didn't make sense that we were going to double the number of ballots um, that were for uh, uh, affidavits that need to be ver uh, checked, and we we're going to double the workload, but they did not change uh, the number of allotment or level two uh, verifiers. Uh, did you uh, witness any uh, disruption? caused in the 2022 general primary by these additional ballots coming in with respect to the level two signature verification process? You just asked I, I, the primary. That's what you said. My apologies, John. Mr. Myers, with respect to the 2022 general election, did you witness any disruption in the process of signature verification with the additional ballot, ballot signatures coming in while maintaining the same number of level two signature verification workers? I, I just don't know how they did it because, you know, they, and I know one of them was staying late, but I just don't know how they accomplished um with, it, with just three verifiers or level two. Did, they, were, they were working hard in the primary. Did you ever uh, learn about, did, did you ever talk to any of the level two signature verification workers? Yes. And did they voice any uh, concerns about being able to complete level two signature verification that was in their queue. Yeah, and 
they would talk to me. It was, I was uh, friends with one of them. We would at lunch or breaks or whatever. He would always tell me that I was going to get crushed, that he was just working through, as he called it, garbage, uh, and that I would get crushed, you know, because there's a lag um, of when I would see the, the end product um, versus what everybody else is, a signature fair level one is going to accept the, the affidavit, which is then going to kick it to level two, and then level two is going to review it. So, you know, it's Monday. I'm not going to see that uh, envelope until probably Wednesday. Uh, and so he would always tell me I'm going to get crushed. And, you know, that's uh, information I would get from him that, that he was working through a lot of garbage. And did you get crushed? It stayed consistent, which was kind of, it was odd to me. The math just wasn't adding up that he's telling me I'm going to get crushed. I assume the other two, level two, were in the same thing. They seemed to have the same caliber of work ethic. And uh, consistently, it was about uh, 800 to 1,000 a day that we would get in the curing process, which is the result of level two accepting the affidavits. What was your expectation? of the number of ballots that you would receive in the curing process based on discussions with the level two reviewers? I, I expected to see double that amount, some, you know, 1,500, 2,000. Did you ever hear of level two signature reviewers not performing reviews and kicking the signatures back to level one? I heard of when, so the managers would also review um, signature, rejected or accepted signatures. Um, that was part of their job. So when my understanding was when their queue got full and they had other things to do, they would release the rejected signatures back to level one to see if they got the same result. What do you mean they would release it back to level one to see if they got the same result? Instead of reviewing it, they would just send that product back to the level one to have them re-review it, but we didn't know it. We were just reviewing it again. And how do you know it was the signature for being verified again? So when you're doing signature verification, a lot of times, not a lot of times, sorry, I misspoke on that. You come across very unique names, very unique signatures, very unique characteristics. And so when all of a sudden you saw it a second time, that's when you realized this, this was coming back at you for another review. How frequently did that happen in, that you learned about? I would say the frequency would 
rapidly grow up as we got further, as we got closer to the election day, ballots coming in, uh, reviews happening, that the uh, volume would just get to the point where it was more frequent as we got more volume in. And when you say it was more frequent, what was more frequent specifically? The, the, the managers were releasing that, and, and then I think at some point it had to go over to level two because the managers just weren't keeping up with it. And so when you say the managers were releasing that, are you talking about releasing signatures back to level one that level one had already uh, rejected? Yes, sir. And you believe that the frequency of that increased as the as election day approached? Yes. And then you notice that it just dropped off, and I think that's when everything was routed to level two. You testified a few moments ago that when you said the math didn't add up in terms of the number of ballots you expected to receive to cure from level two? Correct. Do you recall uh, signing a declaration in this action describing uh, what you did during the 2022 general election? Yes, sir. Uh, do you recall making a statement about the uh, percentage of ballots or signatures you would have expected to receive for curing uh, based on your conversations with the level two signature verifiers? Yeah, based on conversations, I was expecting to see, you know, somewhere around. Um, so let me back up. We averaged on any given day, I would estimate 60,000 uh, signatures to be verified. And so, you know, let's just say I was expecting somewhere between 15 and, and 30% based on what I was hearing. Um, and so just doing a, a quick math with 20%, that would be 12,000 uh, rejections. Um, but I was only seeing 800 to 1,000. So a lot less than what I expected to see. That's kind of what I mean by the math didn't add up. So that's about 10% uh, of what you expected to see? Yeah, something like that. As you, as November 8th uh, came, was there, what happened after November 8th in terms of signature verification at MTEST? So November 8th, we got in that night, MECTEC uh, County got in something, we were told of 298,000 um, affidavits that needed to be processed. And so we really, I mean, because it comes in on the 8th, really it was the morning of the 9th, all those affidavits were sent to Runback to have them do what Runback does to get them formatted in, 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 into the database. So we really didn't start to see any of the election night return uh, information or data until probably Wednesday afternoon, uh, and then by Friday, um, it was done. We 
called 298,000, we, we were done with it is what we were told, which made no sense if we could only do 60,000, 70,000 a day. You know, we surely couldn't have done that in 36 hours is basically what it was. And then I, I left on the 14th. I think that was Monday. I never saw any more um, ballots to be cured. And I would have expected after 298,000 to have seen five or seven or 8,000 ballots that needed to be cured, but never saw that. Between November 9th and the 11th, how hard were the uh, signature verification workers uh, working on those two days, three days? Not that hard. Compared to the primary, when we, we got crushed, that we were working overtime. I was leaving at 3 o'clock, and the second shift was coming in, and I, I, it just stunned, it stunned me. Why did it stun you? The sheer volume of that would have, I thought, necessitated all hands on deck. We're going to work Saturday, Sunday. Uh, everybody's going to work late in the night. we got to get this thing done. How many hours would strike that? Do you know how many hours uh, signature verification took place at MTEC? in the two rooms that you were uh, witness to between November 9th and November 11th? It's the standard hours. You know, we were 7.30 to 3 and left at 3. Uh, and then, um, you know, the second shift, uh, 3.30 to 7.30. So, you know, what is that, um, 10 hours, I guess? I'm trying to add it up in my head. Ten hours each day. Were there observers in those rooms? Yes, sir. Do you know, have any idea how Maricopa was able to process the 290,000 ballots, 298,000, between November 9th and 11th with just a half-day shift? No. Did you ever speak with uh, Celia Nibor or any other manager about that? No. I, it, it, was, it was kind of a shock. They walked in on Friday to tell us, hey, you know, we met, you know, we, we got it done. Um, I, was, I told my wife that morning that I was going to be working the weekends because of the volume. Um, and nothing happened. So no further questions. Okay. Question. That means, Mr. Myers, there's going to be other questions by the attorneys uh, representing the state defendants. Yes, sir. Well, um, Mr. Myers, can you see me? Yes, sir. Importantly, can you hear me? Yes, sir. <clears throat> 
Um, good afternoon, Mr. Myers. My name is Jack O'Connor. I'm with the Maricopa County Attorney's Office. Um, good afternoon, sir. I don't know if you can see on the screen here, but there's a court reporter right in front of me. Um, she's taking a transcript of our conversation this afternoon. Um, and like you did with Mr. Olson, um, I'll be asking you a series of questions. Um, and then uh, if you could wait till my question is over before you answer, it'll allow us to get a, a clean record um, and we won't get in, get in any trouble. Um, I'm also going to hopefully be asking a series of yes or no questions. Um, uh, so if you could just answer those, yes or no. If at any point in time you do not understand my question or if because of internet service, um, you do not hear my question, please let me know, um, and I will, I will ask it again. Yes, sir. Um, you had testified that you were hired as a county employee to participate in signature verification and curing. Um, were you compensated for that, uh, for that work? Yes, sir. And did you receive a physical check, direct deposit? Direct deposit. Um, prior to uh, participating or uh, you know working for the county, um, what was your what's your prior experience? What do you what do you do for a living? If you don't mind me asking. At that time, I was. Uh, Former insurance agent. Uh, right now, I'm a medical device rep, which 25 years of doing this. Okay. And so it's safe to say that you don't have any prior experience in technical analysis of signature uh, signatures. Is that correct? That's correct. And so the first time you were exposed to uh, signature, verif uh, well, signature verification science, for lack of a better word, was at the training that you participated in in June or July. Is that is that safe to say? Yes, sir. Um, and what did you say? Yes, sir. Um, and what what did you view your your role or your duty as a significant signature verification um, employee to, to be? What was your responsibility? To make sure that every legitimate vote counted based on a person's signature. And part of that is analyzing the signature received on that new affidavit with the, pro with the previous uh, signatures. Is that correct? It's correct. Um, your testimony you went over sort of this meticulous detail about what you would look at. Um, I believe you described yourself getting this, um, the, the, the ballot affidavit envelope for the general 2022 election, and you would start at the left-hand side looking at the spacing, the slants, the letterings, so on and so forth. Why did you do that? It just seemed logical to start from the left hand. That's how we all sign our stuff is we go from left to right. And, I mean, is, is, am I correct saying you that was, that's a detailed approach? Yes. 
Okay. And you wanted to do a, a good job at the signature verification. Is that correct? That is correct. And do you think you did a good job? I think I did. Oh, and I I should have said this beginning. Um, I, you know, on, on behalf of the county, um, I do want to thank you for, and the county wants to thank you for participating in this. As you as you saw, experience firsthand, it's a it's a busy several weeks, um, and the county um, cannot perform an election without its citizens. Um, you know, I know you're paid, but volunteering their time um, to allow this election to go forward. So I do want to I do want to thank you um, for for that. So I should have said at the beginning. I apologize. Um, now, it's safe to say you um, you determined some signatures were good signatures. Is that correct? Yes. And some were inconsistent or um, inconsistent signatures for whatever reason, and those were exceptions. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And I hear any testimony that you were a, what's considered a level two reviewer, correct? No. I was level one. Level one. Okay. Um, in, um, let's, see. let's move on to the curing real quick, uh, briefly. There was a testimony about how this math did not add up. Um, and you used phrases like would... I would have estimated or I would have expected to see based off your conversations with other um, people within McTech. Um, those were, the information you got were estimates, correct? You did not know for certain what you were supposed to receive that night. Yes. Um, and you participated in the curing process, it sounds like, towards the end of the election? For the primary, towards the end of the election, for the general, I pretty much did it from three days into the job. Okay, so for general, you were more, you, yeah, spe I don't you specialize, um, your role was more into the, to the curing aspect of, of bad signatures. Is that correct? Yes. Um, back to my general versus primary. Did you perform any level one signature verification for the general election? Yes. Um, there was a claim made earlier that the county um, did not perform verification and the signatures um, were not reviewed at all. Based on your testimony, is that a correct statement? That no signatures were verified? Objection form and foundation. I don't understand. Let's re-ask it. I think he's got a point. I have a point. Or, I have a point or Mr. Olson has a point? Mr. Olson has a point. I'm sustaining it, so just rephrase it, please. Let's get to the chase. You reviewed signatures at the general election. Is that correct? Yes. No further questions. you any other cross-examination? Any other defendants? No. 
No, Your Honor. Thank you. Very well, then. Redirect, Mr. Olson. Brief redirect. You may proceed with redirect, Mr. Olson. Mr. Myers, you were asked a question about uh, your statement uh, that the math did not add up. And I believe you testified that that was an estimate. Do you recall yes. that? Yes. What was that, what was that estimate based on? Just the, the, with 298,000 envelopes coming in, and we got it done in 36 hours, the math that I based it on was that we would get a board in every day, they would give us an update of how many signatures came in. So typically, it varied anywhere from 60 to maybe 75,000, sometimes maybe 80, but I felt like, you know, just an average is 60,000. So 60,000, and you take 40 people doing signature verification a day, that's 240 ballots. It's going to take four to, four to five days to do the 298,000. And it was done in 36 hours. And we're talking about people only working maybe, what, 10 hours a day? So that just doesn't add up. And then this... The 298,000 is kind of like a rack going through a snake. It's pretty easy to track this. And I'm at the end of this with curing, expecting, a, you know, a U.S. Ben of rejected signatures by level one, level two, and I never got that. That's impossible. I have no further questions. Thank you. May we excuse the witness? Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. Okay. Thank you very much, Mr. Myers. You're excused. Thank you, sir. Okay. I think for the court reporter's sake, we'll take a break right now for the 15 minutes. Court reporter breaks are always 15 minutes. That's OSHA. So um, we'll take that right now. Who is your next witness that you've got? Valenzuela, Your Honor. Ray Valenzuela, Your Honor. Thank you. All right. Um, and then after that, as far as remaining witnesses, you have your expert, Mr. Speckin. And... Then Yvonne Nystrom, am I right? Uh, Yvonne Nystrom will not be appearing, Your Honor. Oh, okay. And so uh, just the, those two, and that doubles up because defendants only only witnesses, uh, also Mr. Valenzuela. Are you standing for a reason or are you ready to get out of here? I am standing for a reason, Your Honor. When you're finished, I'd like to ask for a sidebar with counsel before the bench, before you recess. We can we can do that. I'm hesitating only because I've got live stream and I've got a court reporter here and usually she has to have headphones on and I have to set this all up. To be brief, Your Honor. Well, it's not the brevity I'm worried about. It's just it's whether or not I, I need to make a record but not a record that everybody hears because you're asking for sidebar. Um, you can go to chambers if you prefer. 
that's completely off the record. Um, unless you don't have a problem with it, you want to. Why don't we do this? This can be off the record, Your Honor, but it's something that that requires your attention immediately. Okay. Why don't please before you just come in? I can't do anything ex parte. Talk to plaintiff's counsel. Show them what you've got. Explain to them why it is that I, you need to talk to me. And if they agree, then you can do it off the record. Do you agree? I have no idea. He shoved it in our face, read something, and took the phone away. Can you? Can I touch your phone? I can't even read it all. I'd like to see the entire string of what you're showing. Is there a way to do the sidebar here with? I have no idea who that is. Yeah. You should notify him too that I got a call. Okay. You can day. put the head. She can put the headphones on. Right. You need to pause live stream. I think here's well, what I was trying to find my, the way of my staff. If we, if I have headphones for the uh, court reporter and I pause the live stream, I believe that we can take care of this. Is that the best way to do it? Yes, sir. Right. All right. So it looks like we're on a brief pause here. Uh, I was actually, I got a little bit behind, so I was listening on 2x speed, and I was about a minute away from getting caught up, so I didn't catch the last minute. I'm assuming we have a 15-minute intermission. Somebody could confirm that in the chat. That would be nice. But So let's talk about the two um, witnesses that took the stand on behalf of Carrie Lake in the cross-examination from Maricopa County's attorneys. So we... Uh, First, we had Shelby Bush. Let's talk about her first. Because what happened was very significant with Shelby Bush. Remember that Shelby Bush, she was actually commissioned by Karen Fan to conduct a review of something like 5 million, or not 5 million, a large percentage of the actual um, mail-in ballot affidavit signatures from the 2020 election. And that was going to be part of Carrie Lake's argument during this trial to basically say, look, we conducted a, an analysis from 2020. We discovered 260,000 bad signatures, way, 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 way more than what the county actually reported. Um, and this is evidence of a complete failure of the signature verification process in Maricopa County. And the fact that that happened in 2020 and nothing was fixed implies that it happened in 2022 as well. Well, as soon as they started talking about 2020, um, they raised an issue about some of, I, I guess, We the People AZ Alliance, the organization that she is the, the head of, or the co-chair something, she's, she basically is the head of We the People AZ Alliance. They raised an issue with the fact that she had voter registration data on a private server, which they alleged could possibly, maybe, be illegal for her to possess. 
And so for to, for her to continue discussing that data could be a, uh, could imply that she's violated the law and she could face criminal penalties for it. So they brought up this issue. The judge uh, proceeded to basically assist Maricopa County in getting her to shut up about it. And she did. They decided to move on entirely and not discuss the data any further. So the judge nudged her into to, to pleading the Fifth Amendment to avoid self-incrimination regarding that data. So they intimidated the witness into not talking about information which was central to Carrie Lake's argument. And they succeeded. And then the county's attorney afterwards uh, proceeded to muddy the waters about that 90-second clip, that 90-second video about th that showed the, uh, the level one worker approving signatures like a woodpecker, as Kurt Olson said. You know, just rapidly clicking approve, 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 approve. Or at least that's what it appeared to be on the video. The county attorney got uh, Shelby Bush to say on the witness stand that she couldn't tell from the video whether or not the guy in the video was accepting the signatures or rejecting the signatures, which is a bit of a problem for Carrie Lake. Uh, uh, Carrie Lake's attorney, Kurt Olson, because, you know, here we have this evidence that there was no signature verification happening. We have video evidence of somebody just blatantly uh, defying what they're supposed to do in that position. But what's, what's important for Kurt Olson to prove here is that, you know, the lack of signature verification, the complete disregard, of following the procedure resulted in a change in the outcome of the election. And so if Shelby Bush is saying, you know, I can't tell from the video whether or not he was clicking accept or reject, well, I, I think that makes that proving, uh, it, I think it, it, it makes reaching this burden of proof a little bit more difficult. Uh, although we've already talked about how even if they could prove that he was approving uh, bad signatures, they still have a very difficult task of proving that this would alter the outcome of the election because we don't know who those ballots were being cast for. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, 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 that's, that's what I gathered from uh, Shelby Bush. And also, the Maricopa County attorney brought up the fact that, you know, when ballots are flagged at level one, they go back to, or, I'm sorry, they go to level two, and then they get sent back to level one for the level one worker to double check and verify that they made the correct decision. And so the attorney was like, are you able to tell from this video whether or not this, uh, this person was, you know, was he working on the original signature check or was he working on the follow-up, uh, you know, the follow-up check? Like, was this the original signature verification, or was this a batch of affidavits that were sent back from level two? And she said, no, I can't tell from this video which, which it is. But, you know, what I, what, what I realized is that, because it seemed like a, you know, 
a gotcha question. But after I thought about it for a second, I realized that's totally irrelevant. What the hell does it matter whether or not it's the original signature check or the follow-up? It's still part of the signature verification process. And if you're not following the process, well, then there was no signature verification. So that was a, actually that was a stupid question from the Maricopa County attorney. But they try to ask these gotcha questions to, to back you into a corner and try to muddy up the waters. You know, notice with every single witness that takes the stand, the first thing they do is they try to ask them about their prior credentials. What do you do for a living? What's your you know prior experience with signature verification? And they always say, you know, I, I think uh, the, the first witness was like, well, I, I worked at the YMCA, and then I worked at the school. And they're like, so, you have no prior experience before your training at Maricopa County in this election in, in, in dealing with signature verification. And they say, yes, that is correct. What they're trying to do is discredit the witness, say that they don't have the uh, credentials to be speaking on these matters. But really, I mean, <laughs> if you train somebody to work in that position uh, and, you still, and you still try to make them sound unqualified, well, what does that say about the, the training that these signature verifiers undergo? If you're trying to say that they, they lack any credibility to speak on these matters, then and they've, and they've taken the training to be part of the signature verification process, well, then they're qualified. And if they're, they're not qualified, that's a failure on the part of Maricopa County for not training them better. You know? So, so did anybody in the chat let me know what's going on here? We have a, an intermission Something's wrong with the live stream. I don't know how long we're down for. I don't know how long this break is. If somebody could tell me, that would be, that would be great. Because like I said, towards the end, I had to go back uh, a couple minutes, and I was listening on 2x speed, but while, while I was doing that, I actually got behind a little bit. Sidebar. Sidebar. What does that mean? Exactly, Unicorn. Why is Maricopa County hiring inexperienced people? Is Maricopa training being offered suck? Yes, that's basically what they're trying to say there when they try to discredit the witness. Uh, so you're, you don't know what you're talking about, right? If you're trying to say they don't know what they're talking about, well, that's a failure on the part of Maricopa County. So that's, uh, we talked about Shelby Bush. I guess we can uh, speak a little bit about the other witness. And he, you know, I guess this guy, he worked as a level one in the primary election, but then in the general election, he worked as a level one at first, and then the final days of the election, he went on to work at the, you know, during, uh, as part of the curing process. So again, there's a three-part process to the signature verification and you have the level one, um, and they do the initial check. They either flag or approve the signature. Then it goes to level two. That's the, uh, I guess, management. And they can override the decision of level one, or they can, uh, you know, agree with them. 
But if they if they if they agree that it's a bad bad signature, then it goes to level three, which is the curing process, where they contact the voter. So the last witness, he actually did a little bit of uh, level one and a little bit of the curing process, and his whole testimony was about how the math didn't add up. You know, he was expecting to have fifteen twenty thousand ballots on his desk for curing, based on the conversations with the other employees. You know, who are saying you're going to get swamped. You know, you're going to you're going to be in over your head the next day. So he even went out of his way to contact his wife and say, "Honey, I'm not going to be home. I'm going to be working through the weekend because I'm going to get swamped um, the next day." And when he got to work, he would find only 800 to 1,000 ballots on his desk, which implies that something was happening here. Something was happening where somebody says, you just missed it, Nick. Uh, oh, oh, what did I just miss, Benton? Fill me in, brother. What did I just miss? <laughs> Damn. I, I guess I'm not doing a good job here. But anyways, that guy, you know, he was talking about how the math doesn't add up. He was expecting 15,000, 20,000 ballots on his desk. He would only get 800 to 1,000. So something's happening here. And what that implies is that either the level two workers were overriding the flags at level one um, or, oh, okay, so Benton said scroll up about what I missed. Benton says, off-record sidebar about a text they got. So somebody got a text, and it it was so important that they had to stop everything and have sidebar conversations about an urgent matter regarding a text message. Okay. Wonder who it could be from. I guess we'll find out, but uh, that's interesting. I thought I heard him talking about how the live stream... There was a problem with the live live footage. I don't know. This is hard for me to... Uh, this is like a marathon, you know? Having to sit here and listen to this for six hours straight and retain all of it and then give a synopsis every time they do a break. The Hillary hit list. Yeah, the, the judge got a text from Hillary Clinton. Just a picture of a red scarf. Nothing else. You want to get you want to get Clintoned, huh? Well, then I suggest that you dismiss this case. I could see that happen. Remember the time? What was it, Judge Brian? Was it Judge Brian Amaro? No, it was uh, in in the Bill Bailey Matt DiPerno case. No, no, no. Actually, it was the voter GA case, Brian Amaro, right where he took like a. I believe he took a, a brief recess and then dismissed the case. And it was like, what the hell happened there? I have like this faint memory of that happening. I think it was the voter GA case. And it was like, that dude definitely got a phone call. That dude definitely got a text message and was told by the higher-ups to drop the case. Did you win at mini golf last night? Yes, actually, I did. And it wasn't mini golf, you know, as you would as you would traditionally think of it. It was pop golf, or not pop golf, pop something. It I, I know some of you guys have heard of top golf. It wasn't top golf. It was pop something where you play like it's like Tiger Woods 
was involved. Pop stroke, that's what it is. Tiger Woods was involved in developing this, and it's basically like a legit uh, professional putt-putt course. And uh, it's pretty fun. It's something to do. It's, it's, it was actually really fun, and I won against my mom's boyfriend. You know, yeah, my mom's got a boyfriend. And uh, she's been with him for like a decade now, so I'm used to it. But I whooped his behind, man. I got like 44. I made par, and he got like 48. So, so you're being beat. So you're beating up an old old dudes now, says Behizzy. I mean, <laughs> at golf, yeah, I'll beat up an old dude at golf. Old people are supposed to be good at golf, aren't they? Because they've had like he's had like sixty years to practice. I barely even golf. I've golfed like ten times in my life. This dude's been playing for sixty years and gets beat by a young whippersnapper like me. Should be embarrassed. I got no sympathy just because he's old. <clears throat> so, anyways. Yeah, all right, we're on a 15-minute intermission. It's been a crazy day, Super Buff Shaft. Oh, by the way, I forgot to uh, say thank you to... It was PWCFD26 for the $20 Rumble Rant. The Hizzy says, how long have you gone today with this? Man, I've been here, like, pretty much all six hours, except for 20 minutes where... I went and ate some fried chicken. I played a little guitar. That was kind of a break, but I was still sitting at the computer. Six hours. The entire duration of this stream. And I don't I can't do this three days in a row. I'm not CanCon. Alright? I'm not a I'm not a an Android machine. I can just talk about this stuff for nine hours a day. I can't do it. I have my limits. So I think maybe tomorrow I'll put the stream up and do a little bit less commentary during the intermissions. Just I, I'm just going to have to. Or I'll give Behizzy the link and he can jump on and entertain you guys for a couple minutes during the breaks. But yeah, we're still on the break. Got, the, got this urgent text message from George Soros that we have to address. There's sidebar conversations going on. All right, it looks like they're coming back up now. Connecting, waiting for others to join. All right, they're taking their seats. So hopefully this is the last stretch before this thing concludes, because I want to go eat. His, he says, I ain't watching this trial. Yeah, I don't, bl <laughs> I don't blame you, man. You just follow Tracy Beans or something. You get all the, the cliff notes. Two more witnesses. How? Don't the courts close? Oh, man. Yeah, two uh, Yeah. Two more witnesses for the duration of the trial. I would assume that those the, they're, they're going to go on tomorrow, right? 
Oh, God, please tell me that there's not two more witnesses. <laughs> Super Buff Shaft says all Behizzy had to do was sleep with Fan, Karen Fan, two years ago, and she would have not stabbed us in the back. <laughs> uh, remember, we were, remember when we were trying to find Behizzy a wife? Why didn't we think of Karen Fan? That would have been a win-win. Get him a wife. Fix the election fraud at the same time. Now there's an idea. Baseman21 um, says, I remember that case. I think he's referring to when I said the judge took like a brief recess and then dismissed it. He says, I remember that case. Did you know that Biden visited Georgia that day? Maybe someone from his office paid the judge a little visit. I remember that judge looked flustered and was shuddering. Yeah, and Biden has basically visited every place where there was a significant decision to be made regarding election fraud. He went to Georgia. He went to New Hampshire. Uh, just before they, they selected the auditors in New Hampshire, it was either Joe himself or Kamala went to New Hampshire. They went to Arizona. They went to Michigan during the Bill Bailey case. And I believe that... Joe Biden and the Secret Service and all them, the motorcade went right by Bill Bailey's house. Bill Bailey, the plaintiff in uh, Antrim, Michigan, right before the major decision from the Judge Elsheimer, who dismissed the case. So yeah, they, they travel around, and coincidentally, everywhere they show up, the, the case gets killed. And Super Buff Shaft adds that if Behizzi would have uh, slept with Karen Fanny, he would also be a, have been a millionaire. Yeah, because we know she cut that backdoor deal with the Board of Supervisors for like half a billion dollars. So you, you could have made off pretty good there, Behizzi. Take one for the team, man. I know she's got that bowl cut. She's a little old, but... You could you could tell back you know thirty years ago Karen Fan she was probably like a seven maybe an eight she ain't no Carrie Lake though Carrie Lake's easy on the eyes I gotta say and yeah I'm married but my you know my wife she doesn't mind if I just acknowledge that a woman is attractive she's not that insecure. So what's going on? I mean, I have the sound on. There's nothing coming through. And it looks like the judge is talking. I mean, you guys see, I have the volume all the way up. The volume's enabled. It's enabled on StreamYard. It's enabled on my desktop. But there is no volume. Cherry Lake is fine. I was just reading C. Bernie's uh, chat. Sidebar stuff, maybe. Yeah, okay, well, uh, aren't we the people entitled to hear what's going on in the courtroom? Right? Like, 
How about a little transparency here? What what the hell is this sidebar stuff? Is this normal? I, I don't I only follow election fraud cases, and I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. We're having sidebar conversations about a, an urgent text message that somebody got. We don't know who got it. Hmm. Hmm. This is interesting. Please tell me we don't have two more witnesses to go. I can't. These guys got stamina, man. Kurt Olsen's got stamina. I, I was assuming this would go no more than eight hours. And I wanted to go out to dinner with my wife. My, my mother said she would babysit. And this is like, my mom goes home tomorrow. This is the only night that we can get get out of the house, just me and her. <laughs> Super Buff Shaft says the extension cord for the sound system is being used for other things now. Ah. Somebody's getting Clinton back there. Oh, the judge is standing up. Oh, everyone's standing up. This looks serious. So what, what are we going to do now? We're going to have another two-hour break, come back, talk for six more hours. Come on, let's resume tomorrow. Sidebars are to keep jurors from hearing. Well, this isn't a jury trial, is it? Am I that clueless that I, I'm relatively certain this is not a jury trial? Pledge of Allegiance. Okay. Doing the, man, that was a serious text. We're doing the Pledge of Allegiance. All right. We are continuing on the record. In CV 2022-095403, this is Lake versus Hobbs and Al, and present are either parties, the representatives, and their respective counsel. At this point wrap in time, plaintiff is going to call their next witness. Wrap that gavel up, too. Yes, Your Honor, uh, Mr. Ray Valenzuela. Very well. Mr. Valenzuela, if you will step forward, sir, and stand in front of my clerk to be sworn in, please. Mr. Blum, are you taking this witness? Yes, Your Honor. Well, you can do it from there, seated or podium. Thank you, Your Honor. Two more witnesses. Thank you, Mr. Balanceweather. If you can make your way around to the witness stand and have a seat, sir. Your Honor, I have an administrative question. Yes. Uh, I, we also intend on calling Mr. Valenzuela. I could have a brief cross down and call him in our case in chief. If Whichever you prefer. I'm not going to dictate how you try your case. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, Your Honor. You can begin Apple. when you're ready, Mr. Blunt. Yeah, I know they're going to uh, call Eric Spikine as a witness, but I didn't realize they'd call all the witnesses on the first day. I thought it would be split between two days. CanCon says, hi. What's up, CanCon? I'm surprised you're not uh, live streaming this. CanCon, you're a smart man. Can we get an estimate of how much longer this is going to go? It is. Um, 
My name is Brian Blem. I do believe we have met it on at least one other occasion, um, but I'm counsel for Kerry Lake, as you know. And so um, I know you've testified before because you testified in the first trial of this action, correct? Correct. Do you recall that testimony? Um, briefly, yes. Okay. Have you ever given any other testimony in other, any other cases? In several other election cases, yes. Okay. Any of them involving signature verification? Uh, yes. With respect to Maricopa County? With respect to Maricopa County, Ward B. Okay. How many of those involving signature verification and Maricopa County were there? I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? How many of those cases involving Maricopa County and signature verification were there? The two that I participated in would be this, the previous two, and, and the Ward B, Jack. Okay. And uh, have you ever given any support statements to law enforcement agencies regarding signature verification in Maricopa County elections? I apologize. I can't hear you. Have I ever given? Have you ever given any sworn testimony to law enforcement agencies regarding signature verification and Maricopa County elections? Not sworn testimony, no. Unsworn. Uh, no testimony to law enforcement. Okay. Have you ever been questioned by law enforcement about Maricopa County signature verifications and its elections? If you define, and if I can clarify, the Attorney General's office, we do participate with, and if that, considering that a law enforcement agency, then we do participate with that. Okay. Was that involving the 2020 election? 2020, 2022, all elections that we forward on any questionable signatures that teeter on the fact of potential investigation. Did you forward any uh, signatures on with respect to the 2022 election, general mm -hmm. election? We did not. We were inquired of by the AGs, but we did not forward any for investigation. Okay. So you found absolutely no questionable signatures with respect to the 2020 election? That's not correct. The disposition of question signature is a statutory or a bad signature that, that exists, but we do not have investigative authority. We then forward to, and they, the attorney generals, would if we found there to be a need. Okay. You didn't forward any to the Attorney General for the 2020 election, is that correct? I am not aware of. Objection, Your Honor. He's asked the quiz for the 2020 election, not 2022. Yeah, so 20, 2022. I know where it's going, so I'm going to give him a brief bit of latitude. Yeah. And so uh, basically the question I would like to ask is, how many referrals did you make to the Attorney General's office with respect to the 2020 election and the 2022 election? For the 2022, we I don't oversee that particular process, but I am aware that we had under one that we forwarded through that didn't go any further than us forwarding. But we had upwards of 40 that the Attorney General had ask us for information on. Okay. Have you complied with the Attorney General? Absolutely. All right. And so you, you're, you're familiar with the testimony rules, correct? Yes. Yeah. I'd appreciate it if you would let me fully ask my question before you answer, and I will likewise let you answer your question uh, before you, um, well, uh, before I ask, ask my next one. Is that fair? Understood. 
And if I ask you a yes or no question, uh, if you could say yes or no, not ha ha, uh uh, things of that nature, we just want to make sure the record is clear. Is that fair? Yes. All right. Uh, why don't you tell us about your your education history? I am a certified election registration administrator, Sarah graduate from Election Center and sponsored by Auburn University. I retained that certification in person initially about 15 years ago, and that's a required every... And, and I apologize. Let me slow you down here. That's a certification relating to your duties as a director of elections for Maricopa County, correct? It oversees all election processes. Okay. And so what, what I was referring to with education history, and because and, uh, and, we're going to get to certifications. But what about high school? You graduated high school. Did you go to college? If so, when and where? Yes, I graduated high school, South Mountain High School here, a local Arizonian, born and raised. And then I attended Arizona State University but didn't complete that particular degree. What did you study? Architecture. Architecture. Okay. And your election um, employment history, I know it's quite lengthy. Is that correct? That's correct. How long have you worked for the Maricopa County Elections Department total? In total going on 33 years. 33 years. What was your first year with the elections department? 1990. 1990. Okay. So that, that predates um, mass mail voting, doesn't it? No. There was always early voting has existed since, uh, no excuse early voting, but early voting and absentee voting have always existed. Understood. My question was, that predates mass early voting, correct? I guess I would have to ask your definition of mass early voting. But we, you were allowed and have always been right. to request an early ballot. In your right. And your roles in the election department, what have they been? Where, where did you start? I started, as indicated, uh, the summer from ASU, I took upon a temporary role in the warehouse. Uh, I then elevated into a permanent position two years later, and I was in charge uh, or an early voting clerk which then I moved into a early voting lead, early voting supervisor, and now, and then early voting assistant director, and now the elections director. Okay. And as the election director, and correct me if I'm wrong, you oversee directly early voting in Maricopa County. Is that correct? I oversee the administrative staff that oversees that okay. process. Correct. You're in charge of the managers who oversee early voting? That is correct. For example, um, I've heard the name Celia. Correct. Is she with, still with the elections department? She is not. When did she leave? Uh, she left approximately about a year ago. Okay. All right, now let's talk about your certifications again, if you can, if you will. Um, what certifications do you have in elections? So I am a certified election registration administrator, CERA, C-E-R-A, uh, provided through by the Election Center and Auburn University. I received that certification about 15 years ago. It requires renewal every three years. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a Maricopa County Management Institute graduate and also a Secretary of State Certified Election Officer, which requires biannual recertification. All right. Very good. And um, so the history, I want to talk a little bit, about the history of early voting in Maricopa County because you've been around that for quite a period of time, correct? Correct. That was your first full-time role was uh, working in the early voting department? That is correct. All right. What were the standards back in, was that 1990? 
1990 when I first began. What were the standards in 1990 for authenticating a early ballot received in the mail? It's, it's always has been signature verification. It has, it has relied on the referencing for consistency against the signature on the early voting affidavit to the signatures on the registration file. Okay. And that's always been registration file, the totality of their registration history? That is correct. Yeah. I believe you testified before that you have 30-some entries in your registration record from past elections. Is that correct? I have several registration and signature exemplars or reg official registration records on my record alone. Okay. And so, um, now correct me if I'm wrong. When a voter signs a mail ballot affidavit, right, and they return it to the Maricopa County Elections Department, Brunbeck scans that affidavit, correct? Correct. Maricopa County then uh, does signature review on that signature, correct? Correct. And if it's if it's if it's deemed, I guess, authenticated, would that be the way to call it? If it's verified. Okay. Then that signature is that signature placed in the voter registration database for that specific voter. If it is deemed verified and, and vetted, then it is added as a reference signature amongst many other reference exemplars. Okay. And so would it be your testimony that really the standards for um, authenticating early ballot signatures on affidavit envelopes hasn't changed much over time since 1990? In relation to referencing the registration signatures on file? Yes. That that is a standard operating procedure. Okay. And has been? Your objection relevant since outside the scope. Okay, I'm going to allow him some latitude because I think what I've got is a pretty long laying of foundation that's headed somewhere in our near future, right, Mr. Glenn? Uh, that would be correct, Your Honor. Right. Yeah. Get the latitude. Sir. Thank you, Your Honor. Okay, so. So who sets the standards? for early ballot signature authentication in Arizona? The standards are both derived within Arizona state statute. Okay. Can be clarified in the elections procedures manual, which all 15 counties then would refer to and has the force and effect of law. And then from that, the counties themselves derive then what, uh, how that process would be handled. As indicated, Maricopa County has multi-level Review process, it's not a requirement in EPM or in statute, it's just a best practice we see. Right. Other counties or other states may not use. Mm -hmm. Okay. And would that relevant statute be ARS 16550? That would be one of the statutes, yes. There's right. many that reference signatures. And uh, you're familiar with, um, you've, been in, you've been in court all day listening to everyone's testimony, correct? Correct. You've seen what exhibits have been admitted, correct? I have. All right. And so you're familiar with the Arizona Secretary of State um, Signature Verification Handbook? I am. Does Maricopa County employ that as um, its standard for verifying signatures in there? In Objection, Your Honor. <clears throat> that exhibit just referred to is, in fact, not yet admitted. It's not admitted? Let me go back and see. Yeah, I thought it was admitted. 
Hold on. Let me go back and just double check. Wasn't that 46? No. So, two. 46 was actually number 8. Right, and we went through that, let me, this morning. So on exhibit, exhibit, exhibit 1 is the Secretary's Signature Verification Guide. Is that what you're referring to? If not, I can present it to him now and admit it. I don't have 1 or 2 as admit, so oh, okay. why don't you proceed with that, Mr. Blum? Thank you. Please, you can approach. Are you familiar with that document? I am. All right, and uh, can you tell the court what that document is? It's the Secretary of State Signature Verification Guide as established under Secretary Kate Hobbs at the time. All right, are those the standards you employ in Maricopa County to uh, verify signatures? They are the standards that we reference, absolutely. So they're the same? As yeah. to okay. the 2022 election. As to the 2022 election. That is correct. Okay. And those are, in fact, the guidelines that you have before you in Exhibit 1? They are. I move to admit, Your Honor. Exhibit 1? Number 1, Your Honor. No objection. One admitted. Now, did you participate in the promulgation of any of this document or these standards? Maricopa County as an entity did indeed, all 15 counties did, or were participatory in assisting in this crafting. You personally, did you participate? I personally, yes. I actually have information that was provided towards the crafting of this. Okay, what information did you provide on behalf of Maricopa County? Uh, one of them would be the just a reference to analysis, what we use, uh, reference to different characteristics and those that we had received from an, a, a certified forensic expert doc, uh, document individual. Okay. So a certified forensic document examiner, is that what you're saying? Yes. Has provided you information, or, and by you, Ray, I mean Maricopa County, has provided Maricopa County with, with information about how to properly verify their ballots, correct? They provided us and the other 14 counties okay. as part of the Secretary of State's offering for training. Okay. And so under the current standards, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, signature verification workers look at what are, what are known as broad standards, is that correct, or broad characteristics? Yes, there's local and broad characteristics. Okay. Of and I, I just want to sort of cover things broadly, and we're going to then start narrowing, you know, into this subject a little bit deeper. But you said two types of characteristics, broad and, and local characteristics. Under Maricopa County's process, do they look at one more than the other? They actually are, and if I may, uh, don't need to look at any. These are... And as you actually written, the following two-step analysis will allow you to confidently decide whether signatures are constant. doesn't mandate that you must look at all 11 characteristics of a signature. If so, 
These are when you have a signature in front of you that you're questioning. These help you determine and go through that check. So if you're asking the question the way I interpreted it, that do you do these 11 on every signature, the answer is for no signature, we do not pause for 30 seconds or a minute or any time lane to look at characters if they don't exist. Okay. So nobody really needs to reference these standards to approve a signature in Maricopa County? Is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I said. I said that these are actual characteristics, broad and local, that are referenced when the signature is, is being examined that is in question. Okay. But somebody could just click a button and say, no question, no question, no question. Is that what you're saying? I wouldn't say it that way. I mean, you're saying that somebody would go up outside of their oath, outside of their training, and could they? Then they could, and they could make it an exception. Then it would move into a second review okay. level two. We're, we're going to go there, but, I, you know, you just mentioned an oath of office. So I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to provide you with the markets. This is the oath of office that we require all staff, whether full-time or FTE, full-time or temporary, to complete to participate in the election process. Okay. So everyone in the Maricopa County Elections Department signs that oath of office? That is correct. Okay. And um, who, who drafted that? Um, I would assume it's the department. I'm not... I mean, and the document marked as Exhibit 14, um, is that a true and accurate um, depiction of Maricopa County's oath of office, the Elections Department? I think it is, or I know it is, yes, and it's a standard oath of office. Okay. We would admit Exhibit 14, Your Honor. No objection. 14 is admitted. All right, so early voting. I believe in your prior testimony, you said there are multiple ways to get an early ballot. Is that correct? Three ways? Are there three ways? Multiple ways to get an early ballot, meaning, if you can clarify, meaning how to request one or how to... Meaning I can get one by mail, correct? Yes, that is correct. I can walk in early in person, correct? That is correct. And then I can, um, if election day you testified, you can vote early on election day? No, you cannot. Okay. Is there any way on election day that you have to put your ballot in an envelope that then gets uh, signature verified? Not on election day. You can bring your ballot that was provided to you by mail. Okay. And and drop it off on election day. All right. Not actually vote early on So election. there are two ways to get an early ballot, correct? Objection, Your Honor, relevance. You, you gave counsel leeway almost 345. What are we talking about here? This has nothing to do with the case. Objection is relevance. How far out are we to... Well, you know, 345, he's going to be a long witness, but when they put him up, it's going to cut my, my cross. I, I, you know, I don't know, Your Honor. Um, hard to say. This, this, this particular line of questioning. This particular line of questioning? This, I mean, this particular line of questioning was just a couple of minutes. 
Not very long, Your Honor. Wrap it up in a couple minutes. And then Thank you, Your Honor. Okay, so I can either request a ballot by mail or go in person to vote by mail, correct? That is correct. Both of those mail, both of those methods require signature verification, is that correct? No. No. If you request a ballot, you can go online. You can provide personal identifiable information. I, I think you've misunderstood my question. I can vote by receiving a ballot in the mail, correct? Provided I qualify, correct? correct. Or I can go into a polling center and I can fill out a ballot early and then it's put in an envelope. That is correct. Okay, either of these two methods of voting, or I should say both of these two methods of voting, require signature verification through your department. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And what is the purpose of signature verification? Well, its purpose on the highest level is that to provide proof of identity. Okay. Proof of identity. Um, would you would you consider the right to vote to be an important right that citizens of the United States have? Objection, Your Honor. And speculation, relevance, private relevance. Well, relevance, Your Honor. We're, we are we are we're talking about, Your Honor, a process in Maricopa. Don't need a speech. I mean, if you want me all to take judicial notice that it's a singularly important right of American citizenship, I can. I, Your Honor, I want to know what this witness thinks about that right. For the record, Your Honor, again, relevance, and I, I, I stipulate that wait, 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 the wait. vote is important. That's fine. I'm not sure that what he leaves is is salient to his duty and responsibility. His personal views, if he takes an oath and he's supposed to perform certain duties, that I get. He runs the election department, Your Honor. Right. Over 80% of Maricopa County voters, which is over, you know, Maricopa County makes about 60% of the state's voters, over 80% in Maricopa County vote by mail. Okay. If you want to ask him if he takes his oath seriously to perform the duties of his office, fine. Yeah. I mean, that, that embodies it, doesn't it? Does it not? I'm sorry, I missed that. That embodies what you're asking, does it not? Um, because pertinent, you, you've got an exhibit, you admitted it. This is about whether... He's fulfilling the oath and responsibilities. He takes that seriously. That's what you were asking. Ask it, ask it any way you want. Yep. I know what you're getting at. That's fine. Mr. Valenzuela, do you take, I'm, I'm sorry, Ray, do you take your oath of office serious? 30 years of service in the election department, I do. Okay. Is it fair to say that? Uh, the only thing standing between a person's vote counting and not counting is the signature and the individual set to verify. For an early ballot, the signature is considered the proof of identity, and that would then be the reference item that we would look at for consistency to the official registration record. Okay. So we have a, a very significant right at stake, and that's a person's right to vote, and the signature is the only thing that stands. When the signature and the person verifying it are the only thing that stand between that vote being counted and not, correct? Can we take a little bit 
encumbrance to the fact that it's multiple phases of people, so not a person standing in front of. It's the voter signing and then the process by which we review that. Okay. Let's say at level one it's approved. Who else reviews it? At level three, when they do an audit of those good six. Um, an audit is only um, random, isn't it? It's a two percent random of that. Figure. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about audits later. But let's say somebody gets my ballot, they voted on my behalf, and they say my name, and uh, and somebody just clicking through approves my ballot. Jeffrey, the audit doesn't pick it up. I'm sorry. Okay, we've already, you've already testified, Mr. Valenzuela, what's going to happen to that signature on my ballot that I didn't vote. And that sig... Did you finish answering the question? Yes, I'm sorry. Objection, Your Honor. Relevance. This goes directly to procedures, which this court has already ruled, the Supreme Court has already ruled. It's long past time for this uh, contestor to challenge the procedures. What's before this court today is whether or not Maricopa County and its recorder's office and team um, executed their lawful duty to have signature verification. Thank you. What do you consider? Let me rule the lease. I was just going to walk on, Your Honor. I'll try sneaking in later. I've given you leeway to lay some foundation here. I can take judicial notice that this is all material. This is all highly significant to each individual voter and to the state as a whole that the system runs properly. The, but the, the line of questioning for this witness is we haven't gotten to the point of um, whatever it is you're going to advance to this witness that relates to your, your claim. Put otherwise, you've taken a long time to get to the point where we all agree it's important to make sure that the process is accurately adhered to. Okay. I mean, it, if you can move on from there, I'd appreciate it because that's what their objection is. I've given you lots of leeway. Well, I, I understand, Your Honor. I'm not I'm trying to argue. I'm over you in terms of something you need to prove. You can tell me that, make an offer of proof by saying, Judge, I'm about to prove this, this, and this, and I just need you to bear with me a minute to get the function for that. Well, here's where I was going with it, Your Honor. Okay, now, you know, cat out of the bag, and I don't get to ask my question. It, it, it's pretty common knowledge that there are two schools of thought, Your Honor, in the United States with regard to the right to vote. You have one school of thought that is very adamant that people present a license or other form of official identification in order to cast a ballot. And you have another school of thought that says, well, it doesn't matter. We have to just count every ballot. My line of questioning at this witness, Your Honor, is which school of thought does he ascribe to? Because it's relevant. Because evidence, Your Honor... I'm asking him to just stop for a second. Oh, finish. Because the evidence we will present, Your Honor, shows, and we've already presented a video to this court, and there would be a lot more evidence presented tomorrow about what is happening in the Maricopa County Elections Department. And that school of thought is directly related okay. to that point. Let me explain something to maybe put your mind at ease there. I view this, my role in this is 
limited to what the Supreme Court has remanded. And this is not about whether either I or you or any of these people in the courtroom would like as a philosophy. Whatever the process is, is already put in place. It's decided by different people, not not in this courtroom. And so the only relevant line of inquiry here is did we follow the process in this case? So it doesn't matter who you voted for or I voted for or anybody else voted for what we feel about any political party or the process. And I know that there are diverging views of this. And I'm probably indulging this way beyond a normal written objection overruled or sustained. But I'm just making clear what what you're talking about goes well outside of the bounds of what's at stake here. Is It's only whether or not he and the county performed its obligations under the current system. I understood, Your Honor. And what I'm trying to know is that not the process is is not working. What I'm trying to show is that the process is not being followed. Okay. So. That's, that's accurate. Stick with that. Okay. And so, Mr. Valenzuela, you followed all of this discussion, correct, with the court? Yeah. Where, where do you fall? That's the same question. <laughs> it's, I mean, okay. I've seen their objection as to relevance, so we right. need to move on at this point. So. All right. Mr. Valenzuela, um, ARS 16-550, it says that if the signature is inconsistent with the election, it says that if the signature is inconsistent with the elector's signature, that you're supposed to do something specific. Is that correct? We're supposed to make a reasonable effort to reach out to the voter to allow them to cure their signature okay. or verify their identity in that case. All right. And, that, and that's your legal standard, correct? Correct. Once it's rejected, you have to le- reach out? Oh, real quick. Do you cure early in-person ballots? Do we cure early in-person? Yes. Those are not cured because as required in statute, we check signature, but also those individuals, as is required for in-person voting, provide proof of identity, photo ID, state ID, driver's license. So we cannot challenge that proof of identity through the signature because they have provided in-person that that documentation. And those are ballots that go in a signed envelope? They go into a specific, special, what we call a counter envelope. And so they have a different signature verification process? They do, in the sense that they are, again, if there was some that are questioned, they would not, we are not, as outlined, it's a, it's a I will say, an antiquated part in the process and statute. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, that, that leads me to another question really quickly, and that is, would these still go to run back for processing and scanning? They, they would indeed for not just for signature verification, but also for retention and archive. All right. And then run back with scan, and, and we're talking about now these um, early in-person ballots, right? We're on the same sheet of music, right? Yes. Thank you. 
Okay, and so these ballots would then go to Runbeck, be scanned, and they would be, they're, they're, the signature would be emailed to you or however they do it? Securely transferred for signature verification. All right, do you have a, do you have a process whereby you just bulk upload? those signatures instead of having somebody approve them. They are, they are considered counter-in-person counter signatures. So then those come in and they get approved to that degree because they've already proven identity as the necessary need. All right. So outlined in statute and EPM. Understood, understood. And so they, you know, somebody would look at all those. They would get a list from Runback, is that correct, of all those ballots by number? I apologize. There's no list ever. I'm not sure what I'm following. A list provided. How how do you how do you sort those in your in your in your system? Because when you when a ballot is is approved, you notify Runbeck, correct? We send the file back with the disposition code set that we set. All right, and then Runbeck sends you back the ballot and you sort those down to the disposition we have set. Okay, and that is because when it gets approved in your system, it sends it to Runbeck? When it has gone through the multi-layer phases. Okay. What I'm looking for is when... I'm sorry. Okay. Sitting by hearing aid died. <laughs> no. Same thing. Uh, we nearing a, a, a point here as far as okay. process. Thank you, Yara. Uh, the reason I'm trying to better under the, understand the process is to um, better understand data. But I, I understand you are. It's 4 o'clock. May I just ask the court what time it plans to Usually kick me out today? 4.30? <laughs> you put that so, <laughs> so kindly. Uh, 4.30 we... Usually end trial for the day. Okay. Um, are where are we with regard to finishing? Because I know that we you have to finish with this witness. The state may call him back as far as their case in chief, and you still have your expert to put on. Correct. Do you envision if we are you asking me if we leave early today? Are we able to finish up tomorrow? Is that what you're proposing? Are you? Asking me how long? Oh no, you know I stay here doing this all day. But I did. I, I just wanted a sort of a best guess as to what time we're going to have to wrap up today because Mister Four Thirty. That's when I will pull the plug if you're still going, okay. and then tell you that we got to come back again tomorrow. All right. All right. I'll I'll try to speed it up, Your Honor. Okay. Speed's not the problem. All right. So. I just want to say, no counsel indicated is here. I just want to make sure counsel has what he needs. I don't want there to be any. I'm perfectly fine. Whatever you want, I just want to make sure there's no issues with being able to hear. I think that's a kind offer to say we can quit right now and you can take care of whatever issues you have if it's giving you problems, Mr. Blem. Oh, my hearing aid? Um, if you want that, he's offering, and I would accommodate that request. You know, we're on track. Oh, I, I just want to make sure sorry. you're okay. I thought you were offering me to give give me some data. 
<laughs> just a battery. That's just more evidence. The hearing aid's not working. Um, we probably want to make sure that it's okay. Sorry. I want to make sure everything's yeah. okay. Let's get back on track. Okay. You need a recess because of that. I'm not trying to put you on the spot or embarrass you. I'm happy to give it to you. If not, let's move ahead and we'll just take and use your last half hour. I, I do not need a recess, Your Honor, but because we were just talking about the video issue, it might be a good point to bring this up. Um, Mr. Valenzuela, you conducted signature verification in 2022 general election, that correct? That is correct. What was your uh, user ID number? Uh, I have a user I have a user name. Okay. You're aware of the data that Maricopa County uh, produced to uh, We the People Arizona Alliance, is that correct? That is correct, and I am aware. And you produce that data by user number, correct? Anonymized usernames. Anonymized usernames. Um, can you tell us what your anonymized username is? I don't have that in front of me. You don't have that in front of you. Okay. Uh, you watched the video earlier today, is that correct? That is correct. Two times? Two times. As All right. Do you have his unanonymized username? We do because of that. Or, or the individual in the video? No. Yes. No. Uh, you know who that individual is? I do having because I have I have knowledge of having worked the process. Okay, but and and so you 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 know his name. That is correct. Okay, and Ray, I'm not asking for his name because I know these are turbulent times. What I would like though is to know which anonymized user that individual is. I don't have that physically with me right now. Okay. And that's ultimately what we would like to know, Your Honor, because um, that would really maybe speed things up if the county is willing to provide said data to us. I'm not asking, Your Honor, I'm not asking for names. I don't want a name. I get I think I understand what you're asking. So I think what you need to do is probably put something in writing for how you're going to do this because it's – Highly unusual because this is not just a standard case. The information that you have came from a public records request. Mm -hmm. And there's not any discovery that's allowed in terms of the election challenge, et, et cetera. So you're hitting me with something that's... Understood, Your Honor. Understood. And I simply would propose that to defense counsel if they're willing to provide us that anonymized username. You can do that offline with them or do it in writing officially, whichever way you'd prefer, okay? All right. We can go back to questioning. Thank you. Ray, with respect to um, – um, I'll just call him the user. Are we clear on that? The gentleman in the video? Yes. Okay. Um, if you saw a level one reviewer simply clicking through signatures like that, what would you do? I would think they were doing what they were told to do in that particular circumstance, which I think you took out of context. If you knew the rules, the rules were you do signature verification Understood. and you scroll. Then when you're done, you back in, just as one of the witnesses said, with, and you arrow back through what you've done. So you would and could, what that could be reflecting is exactly that individual doing their second review, which, does, which means you're just clicking through to see the statuses you set as fast as that. Okay. So you believe this person was simply going back in time in that scripted video? 
That's what is required of all of our staff who finish their Bachelor 250, then go back through. I understand. Um, is it possible that this particular user um, verified 33,624 ballot affidavit envelopes in an average rate of 2.4 seconds? It is possible because, again, there is no set peer-reviewed timeline to check a signature, but I, I don't know the exact data that you may have, but it is possible to look at signatures. A no signature would take you less than half a second to say it's a no, an exception. Okay. An so it's your testimony that you didn't find anything wrong with what the gentleman was doing. It's my testimony that I think that's misconstrued. Uh -huh. That that is that you we I personally don't even know, but other than the fact that I do know protocol required and is trained to every single temp staff member or FTE that they complete their batch and then they work their way backward as was testified right. to, and that that and that all that requires is for you to click back through your work not to re-review. So it can happen in under a second or a click to just see what status did you set right for committing that batch to, as final. Okay. Um, that's fair, and we'll talk more about that tomorrow. But is it possible for your signature verification workers, those under your control, to approve more than 170,000 ballots with an average rate of under two seconds each, two seconds or less? If I may ask for clarification, you're saying a single individual to approve 170,000? No, let's say it was 10. I got, if you can clarify. 170,000 ballots at a rate of two seconds each by 10 people. Objection, Judge. Again, uh, foundation. Is that... Is that something that that you think is fine? Hold on. Wait a second. There's an objection. Objection. What you're asking, okay. What you're asking for is a hypothetical, and my ruling on that would be if he's able to answer a hypothetical the way you've posed it, he can answer it. If he's needs more information or doesn't understand it or needs it rephrased, he can ask for that. If he doesn't believe it's, it's something he can answer, he's capable of doing that. Okay. Well, let, let's talk about this really quick then so we can establish just how many employees Maricopa County has working in the Signature Verification Department for the 2022 election. Um, you, you testified earlier you have temp, temporary employees, right? That is correct. Okay. How many total employees did you employ during the 2022 election? Over the whole election would be 4,000. 4,000. Employing place, vote centers, all of these different tasks. Signature verification, then it's 155 that actually were documented as having usernames that tied to a disposition. Okay, so 155 employees working in signature verification, correct? That is correct. And so the remaining 3,845, if I've done my math correct, worked um, in the polling places and, and that type of thing. 
I'm going to trust you've done your math correct. And yes, that it would be the outside of the signature verification scope. Uh, I'm a lawyer. should never trust that. But <laughs> I think I got it right this time. Um, okay, so you have 3,000-some-odd people working for 20% of the Election Day activities and 155 working for 80% of the Election Day activities. Is that fair to say? Objection is the form. You understand it. You can answer. I understand. It's unfortunate that it's not the correct uh, allocation because we have election. We have early voting in-person sites that are open for 27 days. So they are not just election day. We have voters that in those 250 some locations, 12 voters or 12 workers. We also have different tasks in our warehouse, drivers, couriers. So no, they're not all working election day. But they are all working outside of the scope of signature verification. Per so for the 2020 election. You have 3,800 and was it? You misspoke, I think. You said 2020 election. Yeah, for the 2020 general election. I'm sorry, 2022. Sorry, Your Honor. It was 2022 general election. You, Maricopa County Elections Department employed 3,845 workers to work polling places. That is incorrect. Same, same no? Objection, Where else did they work? Your objection? Sorry. Uh, objection to relevance. Again, what I'm hearing is, is our questions about at best the effectiveness of the process. I'm not hearing how, I don't see how this is tied into whether the processes are actually followed. And it's, it's 410. I have, I have to agree with him. All right, Your Honor, I'll move on. We're quick. Okay. Of, of the people who work in the, uh, in the uh, recorder's office with respect solely to signature verification. How many of them are full-time? We had approximately, we only had about 24 temporary individuals assigned to the signature verification process as okay. in those two rooms that's testified to. All right. And then the rest of them are temporary workers? No, the rest are full-time. Oh, the rest are full-time. So the other 100 and... Uh, again, 120-something, bringing us to 155 would be full-time employees, okay. certified election officers. All the temporary employees, are they all full-time? Temp on a temporary basis? Their work, their full shift, eight hour or more through that cycle. Every one of them, they have to agree to that? Uh, it's part of the employment. Would you like to come work the election? And we okay. have Granted, again, if you're trying to get to, do we give anybody a time off? Yes, if you ask right. for it, but... Okay. And then um, how, how do you hire these temporary workers? Is it a temp agency or? There's multiple avenues to hire full-time. The majority of them will come from our board worker database or individuals that have assistance and pass will reach out to them. But the majority went to our Get Involved page as promoted and applied themselves just like two of your, your right. actual witnesses says they went there, saw the occupations, applied for them. Okay. Pardon me? Well, I heard relevance. The issue is whether signature verification. Well, it was asked and answered, Your Honor. Well, then we can wrap it up. No. You're moving on. Is that what you're selling? You're saying? Yes. Yes, Your Honor. All right.
Okay, can you tell me how many signature verification employees you have working exclusively at level one? We had a total of 155. Yeah. That included the temporary in room one and two, plus all of our full-time employees at, within the division, including myself. That again, And you might have misunderstood my question. Just worked as level one signature verification employees. I apologize. You might have misunderstood my answer. 155. Also, all had access, including myself, to no, work at level one. Yeah, I meant just worked at level one. Then that I mean, did not work two or three. Then that would be then the 40 or the 24, I apologize, that were assigned level one access. But we also have some staff that are full-time that are not yet gone through the training, and I don't have that number in front of me, but that 155 were eligible and assigned to level one. But of that 43, so this will help you do the math, then 112, 43 were assigned level two. Okay. We have 43 level two, not three but 43 level two managers working those queues. Okay. Where did they work? They worked in the elections department. I, okay. Do you, do you allow any remote work? Actually, everything is worked. As we indicated, the ballots are, physical ballots are scanned. The digital images are imported or uploaded into the secure system itself. And All right. I'll, I'll, I'll clarify definition of remote. Not at MC Tech. So at our offices, we do have in three different offices so that are all part of our network. And even at MC Tech, those 24 temporaries, we also have another 50 FTEs in that facility that when, and I appreciate the term that Mr. Meyer said, all hands on deck is asked for, such as post-election. We will take those 290 and maybe we only had 24. We don't rely on 24. That is our normal, that's their only focus. Uh -huh. But yes, so we could have upwards, just at McTech, upwards of 60 to 70 mixture of full-time employees and those specifically assigned in where, that room. Where are the other three locations that you actually do um, signature verification that are not at MC Tech? Now, there are two locations. There's three total. So McTech would be one. Yes. It would be the county, the recorder's office downtown, mm -hmm. down the block, and then the other would be actually here at 222 East Avelina, our Mesa office. Okay. And you have observers in all three offices? Observers, observers offered two and they have taken us and observed the McTech office, including the tabulation and those particular rooms. Do you allow observers in uh, the recorder's office or the MESA office to observe the signature verification process? Yes, Your Honor. Relevance, uh, it's 4.15, and I still don't know how we're getting any work. I'm no I, I, I tell you what, Your Honor, I'll, I'll wrap it up after this question until tomorrow morning, but I'd like an answer to this question. I'd like to finish my objection. <laughs> it's irrelevant. Thanks. I think he's told me he's laying the foundation for his witness tomorrow who's going to do the math. And so that that's what Mr. Valenzuela is testifying to, and, and I think he understands it as well. So I think he's Mr. Um, uh, Oh, now you got me all confused. Blam, Your Honor. Mr. Blam is done, right? Or you got one more question? Well, no, I, I was saying... Mr. Olson has another question for us. <laughs> um, what, what, what I was saying, Your Honor, is, you know, if it pleased the court, if he would answer my question as to whether or not they actually allow observers 
in the other locations where signature verification is performed because we would just like an answer to that question. Okay. Again, and if you can answer that. Objection re relevance, Your Honor. If it's performed, it's performed, and we can all go home. Okay. We see, Your Honor, uh, it's, it's clear. Um, Wait a minute. Let me, I don't, I don't, a speech from you and a speech from them at, at this point in time. Your question is whether they permit observers at the other locations other than McTech, basically. Yes, Your Honor. Okay. And you're saying not relevant? It's not relevant. Whether they're observed or not, if the contestor is going to assume that the work was done okay. here in Mesa, then it was done, and if it was done, we have no reason to be here. We should all go home. Okay. Are you able to answer that question that Mr. Blum has? I can, Your Honor. You can? Yeah. Go ahead and answer it. So with regards to observers, observers are offered the opportunity, not a legal requirement or statutory requirement, to look at the only statutory requirement that the observers are under are to observe, and they do not do a one-for-one -one stand behind a a individual. So in our offices, as an example, I did signature verification as a certified election officer, as accredited. I have that done in my office on my PC that's logged with my username. I am able to do that, and no, we would not allow the observer in that circumstance to come into my office and stand behind me. But we do in the general areas, any general area, we allow observers to exactly do that. Observe, not just scrutiny, all 24, even those in that room, it's one observer. So if you're saying that the process is broken because we don't have 155 observers standing over each shoulder, that's never been the intention. Oh, I didn't try. Okay. Okay. Do you have any other questions? Well, I'd ask one more before we go for tomorrow, Your Honor, but I do, I do have more questions tomorrow before we bring our experts. I am not done. You have more questions of this witness? Yes, Your Honor. Well, we're not done yet. Okay. Can, ask. can uh, signature verification be done at the Maricopa County employee's home? There isn't. We don't have that currently in place. Now, well, let me, let me back up that. I mean, we do have one during the COVID back in 2020, but in, right now the individuals are signed into their network PC. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, so really quickly, just to get from you, um, if you can look at Exhibit 1. What is it? You still have Exhibit 1 before you? What would it give you? I have two of them in front of me. That's yeah, it should be marked with a 1 on the green tag. Okay, the guard. The... All right, and we didn't get into details about these, but can you go ahead and let the court know what the, what the Secretary of State identifies as the broad characteristics of a signature for signature verification purpose? Broad characteristics as defined, not just by Secretary of State, I'll add, it's also in our training, but broad characteristics are the type of writing, cursive print, the speed of writing, harmonious versus slow, deliberate, overall spacing, overall size and proportion, position of the signature, slanted versus straight, and spelling and punctuation. Okay. And then... Uh, 
the uh, local characteristics. What are those? The local characteristics are a combination of, of internal spacing, the size and proportion of letter or letter combination, curves, loops, and cross points, the presence or absence of pen lifts, beginning and ending strokes. I believe you previously testified that you retain an expert um, document analyst to teach these features to um, the temporary and full-time employees at Maricopa County Electric Department. With the understanding and structure what these they're intended for and their purpose. Okay. Yes. All right. Do you give a test after their training? We do not. No test? Well, other than the hands-on, so in a sense, yes, it's not a written test after that, but there is several, as the other testimony was presented, there's several hands-on and individualized to see if they are understanding and grasping All right. that skill set. Okay. And, and when you conducted signature verification, do you know how many, uh, how many signatures you personally verified? I actually do. Yeah, how many? It was 1,600. 1,600. It's embarrassing that the, the bulk of it, the 1.3 million, wasn't me. Well, you're a busy man. You know, you run an elections department. And that lends itself to where the all-hands-on-deck concept comes in, where the 290, how do you get through those in 36 hours? Sometimes you ask the directors of elections to assist. Okay. How many did you exception? Did I exception? Um, I believe, uh, and the only reason why is from the public records request, we have the data set. And I believe is 131. Well, now what do you mean it's only because of the public records request that you have that data set? Because we're, we don't have a need to come back to say how many did Ray do. Right. In other words, there's other checks and balances. By exception, there is a level two worker who's going to validate and concur. I agree that it is a questionable SIG. I agree that it's a missing SIG. So we don't come back as a normal practice to say, Attorney Blam would like to know how many Ray Valenzuela did, and then therefore we'd have to run that report or create a report. So we did that for the public records request specifically. But you don't, you don't use, you've never used that data before. We have no need to know how many Ray, exactly. So if you're specifically indicating and speaking to usernames, how many did Ray Valenzuela do as a global report, we don't. But we do have an audit report that is irregardless of that it's right that looks at those statuses. Okay. And that's what we're concerned with. Somebody said to be no SIG when they have a SIG where they considered a question when they were a match or a consistent signature and so on. All right. And so um, you've never felt the need then as an elections department. Let him finish question. To um Keep statistics and data on election workers with regards to the rate at which they are um, hitting approved? In objection, Your Honor, relevance, the witness's feelings, let alone this entire line of questioning, have nothing to do with the issue we're trying today. Okay. I'm going to overrule it. You kind of shifted the question midstream from where I thought you were going. May have done that on purpose. But in any of what he's asking is, is you don't track when people make mistakes when they're doing signature verification and you don't care about it, you don't keep statistics for them. He can answer how they monitor 
You can ask it differently, but ask them how they keep track of people that are accurately or not accurately following the protocol. And we're, and we're going to get there, Yark. Well, that's what I thought you asked. Did you, wasn't that what you wanted to ask him? Um, you know, but in a way. But let's just withdraw all of this. I'll sustain our objection. You ask a different question. Thank you, Ron. Okay, so level one. Signature verification workers are, uh, they have access to three signatures uh, to compare the ballot affidavit envelope with? That is correct. Um, because they don't have to rely on the um, standards set by the Secretary of State, are they obligated to look at all three signatures? They are not. So they're only obligated to look at, are they even obligated to compare one? Absolutely. Okay. So... And if a signature is approved, then it's done, right? No, it goes into the level three randomized 2% audit to validate. Um, well, I'll, I'll hold to you ask the question because part of the question that you, the judge was indicating, there is a, a daily review of all workers and their dispositions. Okay. And so you review the individual worker and their correct. dispositions. Yes, correct. Okay. What do you review them for? We re review them for consistency, meaning if I, as an individual, Ray Lonswella, had w looked at 1,600 and 131, was there some sort of inconsistent where uh, somebody did them all good or somebody did them all bad? So we are looking, referencing, and most of it is because to a quality control check to make sure that it's that we have that integrity there. Have you ever fired a, an, an employee from Maricopa County because you found that they were consistently approving bad signature? We have not. Okay. I uh, Earlier today, you, you heard the argument by Mr. Liddy, did you not, during the uh, introduction of that video, that the individual Action, Your Honor. depicted on that video was removed from the line. Is that correct? Form. Mr. Liddy made no argument during his open. Okay. Rephrase it however you'd like without the reference to Mr. Liddy's position. In court today, during Mr. Olson's opening argument, he played a video. You recall that video? I do. Okay. And one of Mr. Liddy's objections was that the man had been depicted in the video, had been removed from the line. Do you recall that? Objection as to form. Mr. Liddy made no objections during Mr. Olson's opening statement. Okay, let's, let's ask it differently. I think you're referring to Exhibit 19. Exhibit 19. Mr. Liddy represented to this court that the man had been removed from the line. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Was that man removed from the line? He was removed from the process of signature verification, reassigned from the process. Okay. When was he reassigned? Exact date, I, I do not know. But it was not, and if I may, some liberty, it was not because of that video or not because he was reviewing as he was required to do. It was just that there's a skill set that's required to perform this function, and if you are having not meeting those marks, then we'll move you to another task, whatever that may be, curing, as an example. But as you sit here today, you can't tell me that. When he was reassigned. 
I was not anticipating that, so I don't have his HR. Right. But it wasn't, and again, it wasn't a let go. It was just a reassignment to the to a different part of the process. And is that because how he was performing his duties? Correct. So there can be it, not specific. It could be that it's just a what we'll consider a uh, a lack of skill uh, when it comes to technology or something of that nature. Okay. So is it possible then, because he lacked skill with technology, that you moved him to actually handling green affidavit envelopes for signature clarification? We, whatever we moved him to, it's actually proof positive that there is a audit level that would have identified that. And that's why we have those checks and balances, that second level and that third level. Okay. So was this person the temporary worker? Yes, he was. What was the last day at Maricopa County Elections Department for temporary workers? It, uh, some of them are still there. It depends on the nature of the thing. Some of them were, if you're talking specifically about signature verification, there are some that a bulk of them were probably Monday or Tuesday uh, set, uh, after the election. Monday or Tuesday after the election. I'm, I'm really bad with Mondays and Tuesdays. And just 14th, 15th. Dates in general. So 14th, 15th of November. What about the witnesses who testified today? I believe they were let go on the 11th. Is that correct? That's possible. Absolutely. Okay. Were a lot of people let go on the 11th? Absolutely, yes. What about this individual depicted in the video? Was he let go on the 11th? He could have been. Okay. But that's because we were done. Because you were done. Not because he wasn't properly doing his job. Because he could be assigned to cure and he was doing that properly. So it's so again, nobody was let go because they weren't they were not they were going against their oath or they were in the Pharisee not to the best of their ability, as the oath indicates, or not performing. Have you ever had to fire anybody for not uh, following their oath of office? I have not. Okay. All right. And uh, Your Honor, it's four thirty. Can we you want me to just wrap up now? How much more you got? Well. I've got about uh, three or four pages, five, four and a half, actually. <laughs> I want to make no misrepresentations that, to the court. So. Well, when I get asked that kind of a question, it's usually I've got two more questions, not I've got five more pages. Well, Your Honor, it's... Um, um, I, I, 430 is it. So okay. if you were to tell me that just a few more minutes, Judge, and I'll be done, that's one thing. But if you're, you're, what you're indicating is you got another, what, 30, 45 minutes? Probably not. Yeah, no. Yeah. We're not doing All right. Well. And uh, one question always leads to another. I'm sorry. It's fun. Okay. Then we will recess for today. And tomorrow you intend to start back with this witness. There's no out-of-order problem. At 9 a.m., Your Honor. All right, 9 a.m. So, Mr. Valenzuela, if you could be here. You're still under oath, um, and we will resume at 9 a.m. Is there anything that you need to bring to my attention before I let you all go for the night? No. For the love of God. The full floor, Your Honor. I do have one question. Ah! All right, then I'll excuse everybody, and the uh, lawyer can stay here if you've got a question for just counsel and me. So... All right. Okay. Okay. We'll stay on the record, though. Stay on the stay on the record. Are, so. Can I run to? Yes. Is it over yeah. or is it not over? Oh, if you. Oh, I will. Thank you, Mr. Blem. If you'll take the homework there and put it back where it belongs, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Thank you very much. Brian Blem is always getting in trouble, man. You yeah. got people in the court right now, lawyers. 
That little rascal, I swear. Brian Blim, the dude from the Big Lebowski. You know? <laughs> His uh, line of questioning to that witness was pretty brutal there for, for the majority of it. It was honestly painful, actually, listening to him sort of fumble around and piss off the judge and seem to be going nowhere uh, for the majority of, of the questioning. But at the very end, he got Ray Valenzuela, the uh, election administrator in Maricopa County, in a lie. Well, kind of, kind of. So, Brian Blum asked Valenzuela if he'd ever fired anybody from the signature verification process for violating their oath of office and not doing their job, uh, you know, for approving too many signatures or just not following the process, right? And Ray Valenzuela said no. Okay, so that's pretty important. First of all, that's crazy because uh, the fact that they've never fired anybody ever for violating their oath of office is insane. All of these employees, all all these millions of ballots being handled by these practically untrained employees, and you've never had an incident where you've had to fire somebody, that tells you a lot. But besides that, second of all, that admission from Ray Valenzuela was a, a, a bombshell because it completely contradicts Thomas Liddy's statement earlier in the trial when he said that the guy in the video was fired. Now, shortly after that, after Ray Valenzuela realized what he had just admitted there, he sort of pivoted and he said, well, you know, he wasn't fired per se. He was moved to a different job, okay? So, no, we've never fired anybody, but that guy was asked to move to a different job. I think he said he, he got moved to curing. Um, but... Still, Thomas Liddy said that he was fired for violating, I mean, he implied that it, he was fired for violating his oath of office by not following the procedure. And here's another contradiction. Here's, here's another contradiction, okay? You ready for this? So, um, Mr. What's-His-Face, Thomas Liddy, and Ray Valenzuela... So, so Thomas Liddy said this guy was uh, fired for, you know, approving too many sig signatures too quickly and not doing his due diligence to actually review them, right? He said that. And, you know, then Ray Valenzuela said that the guy was moved to a different job for, for, for not doing a good job with the signature verification, right? So we have those two statements. But then Ray Valenzuela contradicts both of those statements uh, earlier in the examination when he said that this, this guy, the anonymous user in the video, was doing exactly what he was trained to do. Do you remember when he said that? His first rebuttal to Brian Blem was that this guy was just, you know, basically doing exactly as he was trained to do. Because what they do is they first review the signature, you know, they either approve it or flag it, and then after they complete a batch, they go back to the beginning and they uh, review their work and just double-check and take a second glance to make sure that they didn't make any mistakes. And he said, you know, that could be done very quickly. 
It doesn't require you to scroll down. And so what we're seeing in this video is taken out of context. This is clearly a guy just double-checking his work and going through the signatures very quickly. Okay, well, if that's the case, if that's what we're seeing in that video, then why was he moved to a different job? <laughs> like, you see how those two, those two things contradict each other. So Valenzuela contradicted himself, like, multiple times. The story that they're telling here does not add up. Was he fired for not doing his job, or was he just doing what he was trained to do? Right? Was it, well, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm glad that uh, Brian Blen happened to get that on the record, right? And, <clears throat> you know, Brian Blem, we were talking in the chat back and forth, discussing how Brian Blem has kind of been a, a problem, problematic attorney. He was problematic in the first trial, um, just constantly getting into debates with the judge, wasting a lot of time, having trouble getting exhibits, you know, uh, pulled up and, and just technical difficulties, and then fumbling around and, and kind of just, uh, just not doing a good job, right? That was the problem that we had during the last trial. In this trial, it appeared that the, the same thing was happening. Um, but at the end there, he kind of redeemed himself. You know, and, and really, I, I get what Brian Blem was attempting to accomplish with his line of questioning in the beginning where, we, where it seemed he was really bumbling around and struggling. What he was trying to do there was lay a foundation, right? I, I, I kind of get his line of questioning there because what he was asking about you know, um, at, at, at first, he was trying to find out how the ballots are tracked and sorted and identified by Maricopa County before they go to Runbeck, right? Like, you know, what's the sorting process? What do you do with these ballots? Do you, do you number them? How do you identify which ballots are what? Because what happens is Maricopa County gets the ballots, um, and then the ballots go to Runbeck. And Runbeck scans the ballots, right? And they take an image of the ballot affidavit signature. And then those affidavit signatures get sent to the signature verifiers at Maricopa County. So that's how it works, right? So, if, so the reason Brian Blem wanted to know, you know, how do you identify, how do you track, how do you sort these ballots is because if you have a guy on video who is rapidly clicking, you know, approve, 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 approve. Well, how do we go back and and trace the ballots that he was uh, working with so that we can, you know, conduct an analysis of what he actually did? Look at the actual ballots. Do these signatures match or do they not match? Were, was he approving uh, ballots for Katie Hobbs and rejecting ballots for... Carrie Lake. You know, that would be an important thing to be able to reverse engineer and figure out, right? So that's why Brian Blum was asking about that. And, he, you know, he asked if we could get the username of this anonymous person from that video because, you know, he, he wants to uh, reverse engineer the whole thing. But the problem is, well, we have, we have a couple of problems here. You know, we find out, first of all, that the judge is not allowing any discovery in this trial 
None whatsoever. Because effectively what they're saying here is that ship has sailed. You have all the evidence that you need. You know, we already had a trial, and you had discovery then, right? So we're, we're, not, we're not granting you any new discovery. So you want the username of the guy in the video. Well, I'm not going to give you that because, you know, that ship has sailed. We're not doing any new evidence here. And uh, the judge basically said if you want to get that information, you're going to have to go to Maricopa County and ask them. You know, ask them politely with no enforcement or no teeth whatsoever, and I'm sure that they'll comply. I'm sure that they'll just gladly give over the name of the guy that was rigging the election for Katie Hobbs. Pronto. I'm sure they're getting right on that. So that's one problem. You're never going to get the identity of that guy from the video because the judge isn't going to order it, and Maricopa County is not going to comply. They'll come up with some arbitrary reason why that's some sort of uh, threat to national security or some crap. I don't know. Something like that. Fuel the fire of the QAnon conspiracy theorist election deniers or something like that. Right? So you won't get the name of the, 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 the user uh, from that video from Maricopa County. But even if you did, it really doesn't matter because as we learned from Mr. Valenzuela, they don't number the ballots or identify the ballots in any way. There's no, there's no way to reverse engineer it at all. There's no way possible to go back and see if these election workers are doing their job, if they're approving bad signatures, if they're operating in a partisan manner that benefits one candidate over another. There's no way to do that. And so we have a situation here where... Uh, Ray Valenzuela admits that they've never fired anybody, any of these people that are, uh, you know, part of the signature matching process for violating their oath of office, and they also have absolutely no way to check their work. This, this is a this this system in in Arizona is a, a complete buffet of opportunities. For bad actors. And I believe intentionally so. I believe it's set up this way intentionally. Because you can't have such bad election process, procedure, security by accident. You just can't. There's no way that that's accidental. And if you really, if you really want me to drive this point home and prove that to you, well, consider the fact that Ray Valenzuela also admitted under oath that during the height of COVID, during the lockdowns, they allowed these workers to verify signatures from the comfort of their own home with no oversight whatsoever. Do you understand how insane that is? So let's get this straight. The ballots go to Runbeck a third party with no oversight, and their own partisan agenda, as we know the CEO of, of uh, Runbeck has contributed exclusively to Democrats' campaigns. So they go to a third party with no oversight. They don't identi uh, identify, mark, or sort the ballots in any way. And Runbeck 
scans them and sends them a digital image, sends a digital image of the ballots to the home of basically untrained signature verifiers with their own party affiliation and their own bias with no oversight whatsoever. And by the way, I forgot to add that, you know, Runbeck has the ability to print ballots. Has the ability to just... They, they are literally the vendor that prints the ballots. And you can't, you can't FOIA request them, you can't check their surveillance footage, you can't do anything because they're a third-party vendor. Insane. I wonder if AI would be a viable way to do signature verification. Well, I'm pretty sure that artificial intelligence is used in Arizona to some degree. I, I, I'm not sure. I've, I've, I've heard about that. People have sent stuff to me about, in some way, artificial intelligence is involved in the signature verification process. I'm just not sure how off the top of my head. But no, because, I mean, that, you're, you're depending upon a programmer, likely a third-party programmer, to develop a technology that would, would perform that task, and there's no way you could possibly trust that there's not fraud embedded into the code. Go look at ChatGPT. ChatGPT is like a sentient AI supercomputer that's woke as hell. AI is woke, bro. I don't trust AI. So anyways, guys, that concludes the first day of the trial. I guess we're going to have Ray Valenzuela back in the morning. Well, morning for Arizona. For me, it'll be noon. And they're going to go right to uh, pick up right where Brian Blem left off. He has four or five pages of more more questions to ask. So, yeah, really... Um, Really, I'm I'm just I'm just going to be honest with you guys. So far today, uh, based on the evidence that's been presented and the the standard of proof, the burden of proof set by Judge Thompson, I'm not seeing how we're going to meet that standard. Notice that the Maricopa County attorneys. Did you guys see? Because remember, the judge said. You know, you, uh, Carrie Lake has to prove that there was no signature verification done whatsoever. So, Carrie Lake has two expert witnesses that were part of the signature verification process. So, by bringing in, <laughs> by bringing in experts to testify that were part of the signature verification process, you're implying that there was some form of signature verification. So basically the judge set this up so that Carrie Lake's own witnesses kill her case. <laughs> and if you notice, the Maricopa County attorneys, bo both of those guys, the, the, the lady and the man, <laughs> their final question was, did you verify signatures in Maricopa County? And they said yes. And the attorney was like, okay, no further questions. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> Oh, this, this is so annoying. This is sick. Did you verify uh, one signature? Yes? Okay, I rest my case. 
That's all, Your Honor. I'm just going to kick my feet up back here. Uh, Maxine One says, take your wife out, Nick, and enjoy the evening. I actually have reservations. My mother's coming. I think she's, I think she's actually here. And we are going to go to the melting pot. The melting pot. You ever been? Oh, it's, it's amazing. Fondue. You get your meats, your cheeses, your breads, and uh, dessert. Oh, it's amazing, the melting pot. And then we're going to go to a cigar bar because my wife's actually really cool. And she, every once in a while, she likes to smoke a cigar, and I like to smoke cigars. So we're going we're gonna to eat a bunch of food, you know, get stuffed to the point where you feel sick, and then go have a cigar. And I, I don't drink, so we won't be that's, – that's kind of my, my thing. Like go to a cigar bar. I can't go to an actual bar. I got no business being there. But a cigar bar, that's like my thing. Every once in a while, I treat us, you know, I treat us to a cigar. It's all one big joke, says R.W. Stifle. Yep. Yep, Mick Leeper. Maricopa attorneys asked if they did a good job verifying signatures. Both said yes. Yep, and they knew exactly what they were doing. The, the judge made this so easy for Maricopa. But, uh... We still got another two days of the trial. Two days. We'll be back tomorrow. Although, I'm going to be honest with you guys, eight hours straight, man, paying attention to this, giving commentary all day. All day. I'm going to probably set up the live stream, jump in for one or two of the intermissions, but for the most part, just kind of lay back, uh, especially towards the end, because my wife goes to work around 5, and then I'm on baby duty. So I'll have to be doing this in the background. Uh, just so you guys know, probably won't be as involved tomorrow. Uh, maybe we'll fire it up a few minutes early, give some commentary then. But, yeah, I'm tuckered out. Uh, you can tell. My brain's not working anymore. I need to just shut this live stream down and just go, just leave. And uh, take my wife out. She deserves it. We we both deserve it. We haven't been out together without the baby in months. Well, except for last night. <laughs> but that was our our sister in law watched the baby for us. Uh, but my mom and her boyfriend were with us, so this will be the first time we went out as a couple, just the, the two of us, in months. And it's going to be nice. It's going to be lovely. All right, well, thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to smash that rumble button, the like button, and subscribe if you haven't already. Tune in tomorrow, same time, noon Eastern, uh, 9 a.m. if you live in Arizona. And if, uh, you, if you live somewhere else in a different time zone, well, you're on your own. All right, thanks for watching, and I will see you next time.